Hello everyone and welcome to episode 131 of Squared Circle Gazette Radio. I am Liam O'Rourke alongside Carl Jones. Yo. And Kieran O'Rourke. Hey yo. And we are back this week to return to the review. We are of course reviewing a piece of Vince Russo written Coppola Genius Professional Wrestling this week covering April 17th 2000 of WCW Nitro an edition Go ahead, Kieran. No, I was going to say, then he's, you struggled for, like, he's looking for a word there. A piece of Vince Russo. Prime. He's like, you know, a Picasso artwork. <laughs> a Monet. Uh, um, what's, I don't know, what's the word? What's the. I, don't, I have no idea. I just generally look at these reviews as a sort of example to the world that there is no God. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just go with product. A piece of Vince Russo product. Alright, let's go with that. Uh, of course, we this is not our first review. We have, of course, done these several times before. And uh, you can listen to our previous episodes in general at squaredcirclegazette.com where we archive every show we've ever done and every review we've done. Uh, when we started this series, we actually started with April 10th, 2000, uh, WCW Nitro, which was the first Russo-Bischoff joint production. Uh, we then followed through, if you will, uh, with a Spring Stampede six days after that. And of course, this is one day after Spring Stampede 2000, uh, for the benefit of uh, those listening who may not have seen this episode. So follow us along, because we've got uh, a lot of fun Russo tropes to talk about here today. Oh, there's up, there's downs, there's twists, there's turns, there's swerves. There's inside references. Yeah, there's, there's, there's plenty to digest here. So uh, yeah, let's get to, let's get right to it, because we've got a lot of fun to talk about here. Uh, you know what? There isn't a lot of, Liam. <laughs> Go ahead. White dots. On the network. On the network. I was... No. And there's no excuse for this. There's no excuse. Because Benoit's not there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I was... Not a lot happens on this show. Hmm. How wrong I was. Well, you see, Kieran, this allows for more exposition. Oh, is that what it is? That is what it is. Oh. Yes, and it'll go through here. You've got to follow follow along closely. I hope you listen to Pen and Pad at home, because you probably you know what? need it. I'm going I'm to stop right there. 2,564 shots of Hulk Hogan walking backstage isn't exposition. <laughs> it's redundant. Well, let's, let's kick it off here. Like we said, this is one day after Spring Stampede 2000. On that show, uh, they crowned all new champions after Russo had vacated all the belts the week before. He so, vacated uh, himself, more like. <laughs> all over us. Uh, Nitro, Nitro begins with a two-minute collection of photos courtesy of the WCW magazine to try and sum up what happened at Spring Stampede. Um, half of what they decided to show was absolutely completely unnecessary complete with like useless sound bites such as you can't overlook the team of Harlem Heat 2000 how did they do in the tournament? well you see that was the last photo we saw so they were in oh, fact okay. overlooked because they, they went down to Shane and Buff kind of hard to overlook Big T <laughs> well they managed it uh, it looked like they were recapping like one month of TV's twists and turns on this video by the way so much shit on that pay-view to try and explain uh, among the final pictures shown are of course Jeff Jarrett holding his first world title and a uh, hilarious side-on shot of a smug Eric Bischoff looking at us the folks at home through the camera uh, so we go from this video which if you were able to decipher what happened from this video no clue yeah this was a complete yeah montage there's no, there's no rhyme or reason Lots of lots of you know uh, special. Uh, I was trying to think of the, the what was the, the the video package, video production package of the year two thousand or nineteen ninety nine, as the case may be. Like oh, I can't even remember. <laughs> it's a movie maker special, anyway, folks. Oh yeah, this this yeah this is a Windows Movie Maker special oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, so we go from that shot 
of uh, the smug Eric Bischoff to a live shot backstage showing a bunch of loser security geeks checking the doors to make sure they're closed. Um, Tony Schiavone uh, on commentary is informing us over the top uh, that the New Blood want to keep the Millionaires Club out the building tonight. Mm. They are... Uh, what's the word here I'm looking for? They are, they are basically being ostracised, held down, locked out of the building. The Millionaires Club is on lockdown. Like that, I could only assume, that's exactly what I was going to say, Liam, I could only assume that the USO saw this episode of Nitro uh, <laughs> and it influenced their lives because this cracks the security team certainly did have this building on lockdown. They sure did. And of course, as Shivani's talking, the security guards are talking amongst themselves. Um, one of them is a fat guy with a ponytail who... Schlub. <laughs> a schlub. Who offers the phrase, nobody's going to get through that door. It is rock solid, baby. Uh, to a fellow guard who probably looked like Evan Courageous. Uh, another cop, as we, as we cut to another part of the building, a cop says, I've seen them. They're big guys, but they're not getting through here. No. Tackleberry. <laughs> another says, uh, no way they're going to get through us. That's a relief. So we go to an opening Nitro video, and it's not a video. We didn't get the drum and bass that we long for. Oh, uh, yeah, it's a five-second clip of the Nitro logo because show opening videos take too long, and we got too much shit to get to. Uh, of course, we are kicked off by Pyro and Ballyhoo in the arena, uh, which looked like it spent a few quid, and I was kind of concerned considering the uh, the amount of red ink on the books at this point. It's like, God, they weren't pissing around, you know? They were still lots of red ink and lots of red balloons. <laughs> Because say, what, one for every thousand dollars the company's in debt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. So parade music plays on the network. Originally, this was New York, New York by or an instrumental New York, New York by Frank Sinatra. Because obviously Russo. Oh, that'd have been so much better. It would have actually tied it all together like mm-hmm. a, like a rug in a Lebowski household. Mm-hmm. But uh, flyers fall from the rafters, followed by red confetti, um, followed by the red balloons. <laughs> At which point. Inside Hudson reveals to us all. Yeah! <laughs> I love this. This is so great. You know, with this pretentious inside wink, wink, nudge, nudge, which pervades this broadcast. Yes, which just you know, if you've heard one of these shows before, you know, boils our blood. But with that same insider tone, we are told, "Red balloons, new blood, get it." <laughs> I do now. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And I love that because you know there's going to be like a thousand things they don't explain on this show, but that's the thing they made hey, sure to get crystal clear. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I can only assume like Russo had to really pitch the balloons to Uncle Ted. He's like, you better mention these fucking balloons. You better get your money's worth out of these fucking balloons. Explain the balloons. Yes. Like, asterisk, they number didn't... one, explain balloons for Ted. <laughs> it's Vince Russo, of course, holding his baseball bat aloft. The Batman is here. <laughs> He's clearly proud of the artistic storytelling masterpiece he's about to unleash on us as he walks down the aisle as well. Um, He's flanked by a few riot police, and right behind him is the all-star team of Buff Bagwell and Shane Douglas, the new WCW Tag Team Champions. Um, Fucking Buff Bagwell's attire, by the way, on this show. Blue denim jeans, a tight blue Under Armour-looking shirt, and a red buff cap. Chris Candido's bringing up the rear with the... Yeah, Yeah, we know. (laughs) Still... Chris Candido's bringing up the rear with a cruiserweight strap accompanied by Sonny. Um, yeah. And it looks like she may have seen some dark days. Yeah, yeah, there's been, yeah, well, there'll be a few more ahead, unfortunately. Is that, is that a black dick joke? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus, Carl. I was going to say, if you, if you listen to the sleaze thread in the Armored Johnson room, I think she's already seen some, but. Uh, yeah. If you, uh, <laughs> yeah, I might have to edit that out anyway. Uh, I didn't remotely mean it in that context. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded. 
Scott Steiner walks to the ring holding the US title and it's like yeah. one guy does not belong in this scene Scott Steiner who looks like he'd rather be anywhere else and I don't blame him ring. oh no not at all I mean that, as ridiculous as, as Bagwell's attire is I, I just want to get to this point nice and quickly the sort of pretentious nature I'll call it of this promotion of the new blood mm. it's a new day in WCW yes how many times has Buff Bagwell been a tag team champion? By this point, probably like four. Yeah, okay. He'd held uh, it with Scorpio, for sure. Yeah. He held it with uh, Patriot. He did. And uh, that fun-loving tag team, the American Males, where everyone gets the clap. I'm sorry, gets the clap. Um, <laughs> That's right. And he's been with the company since, what, 93? If N- not 91. Earlier. 91. 91. Okay. New blood. Yeah. But the Gooties uh, yeah. barely new. <laughs> No, it isn't. <laughs> the red buff hat was a fairly new... He had the top hat before that, I think, so... Okay, fine. Well, then let's get to Shane Douglas, the old French fries. Yeah. Target world champion. <laughs> he had the tag belt in 93 with Steamboat. Yeah. Yeah. Just well, seven years later. A lot has changed in those seven years, Carl. A lot has changed. The world has gone round. Both of them much bigger in much different ways than they were in 91. And probably smaller by that logic than in different ways. <laughs> um, of course... Russo is, is kicking off this whole program. It's all about Vinnie Roo at the start. He kicks off with, you can boo all you want, that doesn't change the fact I'm better than you. Said with conviction. A, yeah. dagger, a dagger through my heart. <laughs> Wild smattering of indifference in the fan, in the crowd who are too busy popping the balloons. Oh my God, these fucking balloons. Just, are they drowning out Vince Russo? There's these hicks having so much fun with these balloons. I thought war broke out in the building. Oh my I, God. I thought cars only. were just backfiring. <laughs> I would say as Lex well, Luger was weeping backstage at these these fallen balloons. I would say, Carl. I think I was subliminally uh, influenced about your black dick joke a minute ago, um, <laughs> because it's, it was Vince Russo's lines I've got written down here when he refers to Ric Flair as slick dick, and then uh, ah. and Luger as the very small package. Yeah. Well, what a cut up he is, by the way. Oh, I know. He loved that line. Oh well, he, he, so that, that, those lines were so you know spectacular. I wrote them down, and obviously they influenced my prejudice of your black dick joke, which I apologise for. Now this is what you call a New York party, he says. Uh, last night the New Blood came into their own just like Vince Russo said so. Uh, Russo says to Candido, I told you there'd be sunny days ahead. Mocking the fact his missus is a whore. <laughs> yeah, let's just remind him that Shawn Michaels and stuck it in and accused Brett of doing the same. Uh, there is one title that got away, says Russo, but Terry Funk, not for long. You're not new blood. You're not a millionaire. You're just too damn old. Cutting. Yeah, right to the bone. He follows up that zinger with what is truly the uh, the cherry on the the shoot Sunday here. That other small promotion where I used to work, the WWF. There was an old crotchety old man who used to wear a black cowboy hat, and this old man did everything he could to keep my next guest down. And let me say right now, Jr., you can kiss my ass. And this is the thing. A wanker. Yeah. We're going to be all in insider and innuendo and just sort of. Su- we're going to be suggestive. A company where I used to work. Five seconds later, he says the name anyway. Yeah. Someone I used to work with who wore a black cowboy hat. Five seconds later, he says it's JR. I'm not really sure what track you're going down here, and I'm not sure you do either. He thinks he's ace saying this. Well, I mean, more to you can the... see it in his face. He and, thinks and... he's so fucking cool. Why is he picking on the commentator? Exactly. That's the perception <laughs> that everyone what has. What could the commentator do to hold a wrestler down? That's the folks at home. We probably turn to Raw to find out oh, what he's exactly. doing. Yeah. <laughs> ah, shit, that's on. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, yes! I forgot! What on earth distracted me from watching that show instead? Yeah. The live crowd, of course, don't care. They're still popping balloons. Uh, Mark balloons. Yes, Mark Madden did follow up this shoot line with, uh, that statement's right on the money, fellas. At this point, I was, I was hoping that someone would explain the red balloons again because I'd, I'd lost track at this There's point. There's too many pertinent inside points to remember between the balloons and JR being influential. Yes. I was, they started to lose me already. Too inside for me. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not as smart as Vince Russo. <laughs> There's a soundbite for you. <laughs> um, at this point, uh, Russo introduces his next guest, the new WCW champion, and out comes Jeff Jarrett. And what a yeah. picture this is, by yeah. the way. Do you know we we talked before on, on the podcast about? Um, I think it was specifically Seth Rollins, and the way he sort of carried himself, <laughs> and the way he looked. You know, when he when he wasn't wrestling, and just sort of the general vibes he gave off. Mm, yes. Well, think of that, and then just picture Jarrett and it's about a hundred times worse in what I can only describe as luminous yellow Gordy I wrote Gordy. construction worker yeah. he does come from doing drywall or possibly I don't know working, working on Jerry's houses on the construction maybe, ranch maybe or I don't know construction six sides ri- rings yeah. for future insurance purposes I don't know but he definitely had the goggles for it and, and, the, and the top so yeah. complete with the guitar with slap nuts written on it so, no, mate, no. so at this point we can and call the him tile. at this point we can call him PPE Jarrett what you like. <laughs> God bless Jeff. He just looks so mid card. <coughs> that's because well, that's what he is. I know. That's what he's always been. Mm-hmm. He's a Hall of Famer, Carl. Don't say that. So is Tony Atlas. <laughs> There's no denying Jeff Jarrett's greatness now, says Mark Madden, which is a line straight to you, Carl, I think. Oh. Uh, as we cut to a, sign, a fan in, uh, holding a sign in the crowd that reads, Hey Billy. <laughs> At this point, Scott Hudson says that Kim glommed DDP with the guitar. Glommed DDP with the guitar. Uh, for those of you at home, yesterday, I ne- I turning heels. I never knew that that was a synonym for hit. Yeah, but it is in, in uh, to Scott Hudson. Okay. Jeff Jarrett gets on the mic and says, Don't you ever doubt me again. You're all eating it. Apart from the day my child was born, this is the greatest day of my life. I'm sure his wife appreciates the marriage being knocked off the list. <laughs> Jarrett gets some decent heat at first, but quickly falters as he follows up with Good old JR, you can kiss my ass. Just to reiterate that point. Yeah. Without reiterating the point. Yeah. Or clarifying the point. Or even making a point, really. <laughs> that commentator must know where all those bodies are buried. <laughs> he segues to DDP, and then out of nowhere says that even though he kicked his ass last night, the new blood is about opportunity. I was a little pissed off and I wasn't asked to be in Ready to Rumble. <laughs> Seriously, folks. <laughs> Dodged a bullet to me. That is that is the inciting incident for this match, is that Jeff Jarrett is pissed off. Despite it being world champ, he's pissed off at DDP, <laughs> glommed a roll <laughs> in Ready to Rumble, and now challenges DDP to a title match nonetheless yeah. in a triple-decker cage match. On pay-per-view. Just to be like DDP in the film, presumably. Yeah. No, no see, I don't think that's it. Nice I, of the heel no, to do that, by the way. Yeah, yeah, real heel move. I don't think he wanted DDP's spot. I don't think that's what it's about. Yeah. See, because to Jarrett, Jarrett is always king of the mountain. So he wants to be Jimmy the King. So why... He wants to be Oliver Platt. <laughs> he wants to be Jimmy the King. Well, why didn't the, king call- of, the king of the mountain should be the king of the movie. Why didn't he call out Jimmy the King, then? <laughs> He's too consumed by JR for some reason. I'm confused. (laughs) That's where it starts. (laughs) 
Jarrett then says, Why don't I slap your nuts from the bottom of the cage all the way to the top? That sounds like something to watch on pay-per-view. Into to foreplay, Double J, now. Yeah, yeah. Russo then cuts off his own world champion, by the way, here, to introduce Eric Bischoff, who comes out with a very conservatively dressed Kimberly Page. Um, as they waddle down the aisle, Scott Hudson says, Eric got into the mind of Kim, to which Mark Madden responds with, The mind? Boom, <laughs> That's three inside things for me to remember. Yeah. Oh my God. Tony Schiavone then says, and this is word for word, That was one of the craziest, wildest, turns I've ever seen in WCW. If we go back and try and analyse why, we don't know why. <laughs> well, you can always rely on the comments to give you some gems in these reviews. Give them, give them 30 seconds to pick up the microphone, they might explain. But more to the point, all these inside references, and not one of them goes to the goal club. Yeah, that was not a, one. Talk about a drop ball. It's there. just, it's there. I'm begging someone to say something and nothing. You can't even give me that. An open goal, yeah. <sighs> even referring to the New Blood, <coughs> who have won all the titles as the Gold Club. Well, open goal here. Really was. The real Ronnie Rosenthal of the wrestling world here. <laughs> How did you miss? (laughs) Emmett Bischoff says he's going to torture DDP and do something that Kim says he couldn't do, and that's make it last a long time. That's understandable. She's pretty fit. Yeah. Again, ba-dum-tush. Oh, yeah. Ba-dum-dum-tush. Yep. Uh, says that Kim is the uh, whipped cream on the cake. Says, tries to say cherry and then stops himself and says, no, she's the whipped cream on the cake. Yeah, it was very, very clever wordplay. Very suggestive wordplay by Easy Lavario that is... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, this fucking sexual deviance. <laughs> the, the undertones of them sleeping together are obviously there, but I don't think they really hit that all that as hard as they could. They could have really gone all the way with that. Well, what it's like, why say it? They said it. Well, the yeah, but this whole fucking Liam, you're picking apart. I know, the I fucking know. Fucking terrible stuff. <laughs> anyway, we, I don't even. Why consider that when uh, DDP didn't put it fucking over us? No, <laughs> at didn't. all. No, he didn't. Anyway, hey, we'll come to that. Kimley does a promo here, and oh god, oh boy, <laughs> oh dear, oh boy, ah. Uh. You had a great observation about Shane Douglas in the middle of this. Oh promo. my god, Shane Douglas becomes a king amongst them. He becomes the real king of the mountain. In, in this. <laughs> he's just he's, he's the camera is direct. He's behind Kim, and she's just cutting the worst, most nauseating, pointless, unbelievable, fake ass shit promo you've ever heard. Oh god, you know that day when she turned to Paige in bed and said, "I think I should have a speaking role," don't you think? And it's like, oh, I'll ask, I'll ask Eric. And it snowballed from there, and this is what we got. This yeah. fell out of Russo's ass. <laughs> but anyway, Shane Douglas at least saves the day, where being <laughs> against the ropes in the background, he's got his arms folded, he starts off, he's laughing, he's, he's, he's just, he can't keep a straight <laughs> face. Yeah, and then he's, you can see that the side of the cheeks start to go as the lips <laughs> go off. And he, this guy's pissing himself laughing at the terrible, terrible delivery of Kimberly Plage. The, the hand goes over the mouth to mask his laugh. And then eventually he's just, he, can, he composes himself and he's able to nod along <laughs> while keeping his mouth closed to, cult, you know, just hold that laugh in. But he's, he's, been, he's been a professional trooper. I salute you, Shane. I salute you. But he's, 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 he's having a lot of fun watching through this, like I imagine. He's the only one. Oh. <laughs> she says she feels bad blowing off an 11 year relationship. From day one, the relationship was based on DD me. And uh, she was in his shadow. Deep down, DDP knew that she was the star. She has had opportunity after opportunity, but she said no because DDP said so. But from now on, she's paying attention to her own needs and opportunities. The fans lost interest here very early, by the way. 
That suggests that they had interest. They, yeah, it, it was long gone they, by this they, point. They, they were gone the second those balloons started dropping. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, shiny red ball. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Uh, yeah. However, a fancy car speeds up backstage. Who's this? It's DDP, confronted by one of the security guys at the uh, the entrance to the building, who looks like Sean Stasiak in a t-shirt. Uh, and when he's told he can't enter, DDP offers up, I don't give a rat's ass what Eric Bischoff has to say, which, you know, that's the kind of delivery that made him a lead in Ready to Rumble. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, he's late, so he doesn't even know Bischoff's in the ring. So this is incre- That's in- incredible timing by Hayes. <laughs> it is quite. This is—he hasn't got an iPhone. He's not watching this online or anywhere. He's just—unless he's got no, he hasn't even got an earpiece in. I nope. don't. I don't no. It's just incredible, incredible timing. He rocks up, goes all stone cold. Stone uh, cold DDP. Stone cold DDP with his Sopranos cut-off T-shirt, just to prove that he's a badass. Because emphasised jersey. Yeah. Because you know. <laughs> Punches the guy in the face, sucks him in the face, walks right on by. Um, well, that line held. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't have gone to the fat guy's door, but uh, sadly he went to this guy. And... The French could have held longer. <laughs> the national line would have held longer than these numb nuts. DDP basically punches the guy in the face and just kind of. Saunters through. Saunters through. Strides through to Gorilla. As he's walking through, so basically the camera follows Paige as he walks backstage and, and through the Gorilla position. And two things of note happen here that are fantastic. Number one, you can hear Vince Russo continuing his promo in the ring, at which point he says, you can hate us, you can despise us, but that doesn't stop the fact that without us, you don't, you have nothing to live for. Or something like that. Like, which I just thought was a great line. And then, as Paige is walking through Gorilla... There's two flashes of light. It's like, what's that? Why, that's Sean Stasiak and Kurt Hennig walking right past him, trying not to be seen together. Hmm. It's the little details that make him a genius, I think. Are they trying not to be seen together, or is this all part of an elaborate ruse? Or as I might call it, an elaborate ruso. <laughs> well, time will tell on, the, on what the true intention here was. I get a sense that it was actually just a colossal fucker. <laughs> But, uh, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> DDP walks to the ring, right through the Riot Squad, who don't give a fuck. Uh, he starts fighting with the New Blood. Uh, the Riot Squad enter the ring and start fighting the New Blood too! To swerve! Yeah. Oh, unbelievable. <laughs> it, it, made, it, made me, it made me think of... You, know, you remember when uh, there was the restraining order against... Um, I think that guy? The restraining order against Austin. Yeah, that guy. And he was in, he was in the Riot and revealed himself and the crowd went ballistic yeah yeah this wasn't that this was executed so poorly <laughs> this was terrible it's like this is this is this simple simple setup yeah epitomizes Vince Russo right mm-hmm. so you got there an angle that's famous that was hot for the hottest star and it meant something and it in it, it, it was it was the payoff to a show long angle this it's just done it's just there at the start of the show so they did the whole setup with the security, which is a ruse by the ba- by the baby faces, and it's just the opening segment to run off the heels. It's it's so fuck. What is the point? You've just blown a whole thing. You can never do a security angle or a, a, a disguise angle again in theory yeah. because you've just blown it away on this oh, it's garbage at least not for seven more minutes <laughs> in theory you wouldn't do it again yeah. so the execution's horrible here Luger just walks in with his helmet off while Sting and Flair are like trying to fuck around with this shit offence trying to maintain some degree of anonymity but Luger's just there you know, with his helmet off and man just fucks the whole thing and goes yeah it's the millionaire's club <laughs> 
He's like, Luger's there with his helmet off, why even pretend? The fans finally peg it and cheer a little bit, and uh, I do love the artistic license you get in wrestling where, like, you know, you know, they, you know they do it the way they do for a reason, but like the fact they were just standing there with nightsticks the whole time, could have just beaten the fuck out of them at will. Yeah. But they waited for DDP to get there. Who wasn't watching the show, I mean, it was in his car. Yeah. And this is before... And what were the chances that he was going to get through security? Th- there's lots of variables in this. This, yeah. is, this is before iPhones and iPads, so he wasn't watching the show online. No. Nope. I don't know how he, he was privy to this information, <laughs> what was going on. How did the rest of the members of the Nubal get wind of that they were going to be in the ring doing a promo? Were they, was the coordination... There uh, has to be. Were, were, the, were the heels actually working on security? Yeah. And then DDP and they thought, well, fuck it, let's do this. I don't know. If only we got to see the zany world behind the camera at World Championship Wrestling as these characters figure out what's going on. But uh, And of course, the Riot Squad waited until DDP's getting the shit kicked out of him anyway to make the save. So more, you know, more for you, I suppose. So that kind of closes up uh, segment one on this show this went about 20 minutes and on a, on a two hour show that's actually it felt like a, it felt like about a third of the show to be quite honest again I was I thought it was a three hour show at this point yeah I was mortified <laughs> so there we go the big reveal the Millionaires Club are in fact in the building there is no lockdown so we go to commercial break come back and we're backstage with Eric Bischoff who's browbeating a real ragtag rogues gallery of a Lash LaRue Hugh Morris Bam Bam Bigelow Jerry Flynn, who sadly, a shot from the back reveals that the rat tail was no more at this point, which made me very sad. I thought you were going to say sadly still employed. I don't know how he was still there in 2000, old Thunderfoot. Without the, without Lightningfoot, sorry. <laughs> don't get that wrong. <laughs> Clubfoot. <Yeah. laughs> oh, that's Steiner, wasn't it? Yeah. That's Clubfoot. <laughs> without, without the block, what's the point in Jerry Flynn? I don't understand that reference. That's coming up, isn't it? That will come up on the, in the timeline. Line. Yeah, that, that, we will that, get there. We'll get there, and it'll make far more sense to me then. Booker T stand there looking like the yeah. biggest home bargains version of The Rock you've ever seen, <laughs> by the way. He's even cocking his head the same way when people say his name. Oh, it's a sad yeah, time. Yeah, some but... people can pull off like tan suits or beige. That suits, suit! Yeah. Fuck me, this <laughs> suit! <laughs> we got to talk about this suit, Carl. Trousers are like MC Hammer. <laughs> A Vince McMahon right, oversized he's... jacket and a fucking yellow silk shirt the colour of dog sick underneath. <laughs> well, they already had the hammer haircut, so we wanted to go the whole way. <laughs> it's a black man in the 90s, that's how they dressed. Is it, it really? was 2000. Oh. Oh, man. Yeah, it's wrestling. Wrestling's like 10 years behind, isn't it? That's Normal true. fashion. Yeah. This, this is true. The, the there's, colour's a, there's apparently a women's revolution <laughs> <laughs> going on right now. Okay, 200 years. Like, <laughs> suffrage! <laughs> so, I guess they get sick of the. Uh, they're the, the new boy. They're the new boys. The new blood. Uh, jobbers aren't they I guess. they're new they are basically the people in the new blood and Booker T and Booker T yeah they're all new blood guys but they don't agree with the vision of Russo and Bischoff so they're young but they also aren't heels which is strange because last I checked follow me here Hugh Morris and Bam Bam Bigelow were heels as was Jerry Flynn yes that's right so, so at what point did they do their turn in a company their turns? turn <laughs> in a company of shocking turns uh, yeah so eventually they just say fuck off to all these guys Booker T you're, you're on thin ice you've got, you know, you got a limited amount of time to kind of win us over Booker so you know make sure you do well he did that hot potato crap with Sting the night before he did he did that touch but no one liked that um, so basically he fobs them all off and tells Russo Bischoff does to get Mike Awesome to take care of DDP follow me along here people there's a lot going on they all bugger off the security guards which are basically four marks in t-shirts enter and tell Bischoff to keep his money because they don't want to get beaten up by wrestlers at the time, I've only just realised this. At the time, I assumed that they were the four guys who 
the faces took out to get their riot gear, but that can't be true. Are these the four guys who page beat up? They must be, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They didn't know they were going to get beaten up by wrestlers, so they quit. Keep your money, they say. Mm. I don't know why Bischoff cares until he failed anyway, but uh, he, he seems quite distressed by this, and then the phone rings. And Does it? <laughs> yeah, you just faintly hear a phone ring. Right. Bischoff answers it, and we can hear the voice on the other end. Perfectly. Crystal clear. Crystal clear. Better than anyone else. And by the way, this is a recurring theme. The backstage segments on this show were filmed in the cheapest, shittest way. They looked like fucking crap. For a promotion that spent so much money, I can't... The, well, this was like public access no, level see, backstage that, stuff. Yeah, but that week's budget had been spent on balloons. <laughs> no, true. True. I'll give you that. Anyway, the phone rings. We can hear Hogan who says, Hey, Easy E, it's your old friend. I'll be kicking your ass in about five minutes. <laughs> so I was, I was sad he didn't threaten to eat his ass in five minutes. That would have been The funny thing is how clear he is on the phone, despite the fact that Bischoff drops the handset before he's finished speaking. Yeah, and still hear him, I, perfect. I, I, yes, I don't think he could hear him, actually. Yeah. <laughs> he's a dead signal saying, so like, fucking hell, <laughs> nothing <Phone> works. <laughs> we haven't paid the phone bill. Yeah. The thing is, this is so poorly put together as a general rule of thumb this show. I did actually rewind that back to see if you could see a wire le- leading out from the phone, see if it was actually plugged in. <laughs> <laughs> sat on the desk. That would have been great. Yeah, but how did Hogan get the direct line to that phone? He's mm. Hogan. Who knows? Phone company job to. Well, so. we see the power that Hogan has over mere mortals later on. We do, we do <laughs> indeed. <laughs> and it is resplendent. Uh, so Bischoff face palms to end the scene. Probably wasn't the first time he'd done that that day. End scene. End scene. The first match is up, and wouldn't you fucking know it, Sean Stasiak versus <laughs> Kurt Hennig. Sean Stasiak billed as the perfect one, with a uh, knockoff Mr. Perfect theme, and uh, to accentuate his flawless gimmick, he's wearing a pair of tights that say SS, with one of them the wrong way round, which I thought, you know, that's nice. Perfect touch. <laughs> it's the little details of the quality that I love. Uh, I don't think he made them himself. But uh, during the intros, uh, Scott Hudson says... You know, those guys, they didn't become millionaires by being stupid. Bischoff thinks he can work them, pull the swerve on them on Nitro. I don't think so. So that's uh, another inside reference there, folks. Work and swerve. (laughs) So Stasiak and Hennig is the match. That's what they should do. If WCW was around today, every time a term like swerve or work... Inside counter... It comes, yeah, the reference, the, the, like the definition of what it is <laughs> on the screen. <laughs> like a dictionary definition? Yes. Yeah. Oh, we can fucking, have some fun with this. Yeah. Oh, man. An SCG production. I'm That's like, what we need to do. Yeah. We'll fuck around with one of these shows with you two doing the commentary I, on it. No, I, no doubt this would be better than that. It would shit. be. We would do something good with this. Um, before they even lock up, Miss Hancock walks out and instantly overshadows both of them by simply breathing and standing there. Yeah. Um, she's holding a clipboard and the commentators speculate on why which leads to Hudson saying she's not taking notes to call the results into the sheets I can tell you that sheets <laughs> appears on the screen <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who are they writing this show for themselves Liam themselves oh the, Stazak is so inspiring getting the heat they're talking about the traffic outside um, that well, wasn't t- a problem for DDP <gasps> yeah that's but, true but but Let's not forget, Stasiak had a relationship with Vince Russo. That's what happened in New York! That's, That's what happened in New York! I find the phraseology very interesting. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> not, let's not forget, Sean Stasiak had a relationship with Vince Russo. Not a friendship. No. A relationship. And there's no extrapolation, there's nope. no explanation or you know, exposition after that nope. sentence. He had a relationship with Vince Russo. That's good to know. Yeah. There's a meat joke in there somewhere for your car if you want to get the low-hanging fruit. 
No. Not, not in this instance. Not this time. There's, there's enough on the show. Yeah. Um, Scott Hudson says that he doesn't want to make a stink in legal, but Hennig may have a case for gimmick infringement. Because obviously he's being Mr. Perfect here. Well, they don't say Mr. Perfect. No, they can't say They Mr. don't perfect. call Kurt perfect at all. No. The perfect one, Sean Stasiak. Yeah. Uh, Stasiak takes control, Hennig drags him outside, there's some chops on the floor. Kurt Hennig throws water on Mark Madden for some reason, and uh, Hennig kind of cartwheels out of a backdrop attempt but walks straight into a clothesline, which looked dreadful. <laughs> um, we get a ref bump because it's the first match oh on the God, show. The best. No, it's, it's, it's gone a few minutes because we get a ref bump. It's bloody awful. It's a lazy double punch ref bump. <laughs> you don't punch the chin, you punch through the chin, don't you? And yeah. obviously, as. as uh, I'm guessing it's, it's Kenick. Yeah, it must be the fact. He, 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 th- he threw the axe form to the head, oh, hit him, kept swinging through, and then hit Little Nate on the on the on the follow through. Yeah, it was pretty much like um, like a like a a move on a well the new Southport Park game actually when you get the guy behind the guy you're attacking like the double combo attack. Yeah, and like you punch through. Yeah, <laughs> so this can happen in hmm. turn-based computer games. Indeed, maybe his inspiration. Who knows. Um, yeah, so this bloody awful ref bump happens. Of course, he immediately goes for the perfect plex, because that's what babyfaces do. There's no referee. Stasiak uses nooks and follows it up with the perfect plant, a shitty F5, where uh, Stasiak takes like a face bump as well, um, and gets the win. So your winner is the perfect one, Sean Stasiak. Your thought before we move on to the next thing, because obviously we are going to move on very quickly here, how many stars do you want to give this effort? Carl? Well, Kieran has never been one who advocated for the star rating system. Ah, Vince Russo puckered anuses. In in this instance, I'm inclined to uh, go with Kieran's line of thinking. So you're going for the meaty dud here. Not much to it. Not much to this. Um, Again, like I say, we don't have time to digest this, because Stasek follows up the pin with two stomps uh, right after the bell rings, and we cut away to a motorcade, but it's actually the police surrounding the moving car of Hulk Hogan. Stone Cold Hulk Hogan. Stone yes. Cold. Stone Cold Terry Bollea. Oh, yes. Sorry. If you will. If you will. Terry Bollea. He's wearing a fucking black sweatband on his head, by the oh, way. Oh, it looks hideous. Oh, I get another shout out to Tiger Rick who compared this look to. He's scared. His hair's going to get in his eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A combination of Steve Austin and Andre Hadassi. <laughs> <laughs> They're kind of with a face like Steffi Graf. <laughs> <laughs> So he gets to the building, and there are four armed police blocking the way, surrounding him, saying, we can't let you inside. And Hogan insists he's getting in one way or the other. The police, again, tell him no. And then after what I counted as eight seconds of silence and staring, what happens? That silence is broken by a lone voice in the distance that you can hear shout, Hogan, you suck. <laughs> which, which brought a smile to my face. Um, but yeah, the... Uh, the blue wall cracked and did, <laughs> and did the job. This guy, one goes, let him through, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, after all of this, let him in. <laughs> Eight seconds of staring from home. What the fuck? The security and police forces in Rockford, Illinois, I think need to come to a little bit of scrutiny here for their lack of control. Hulk Hogan had been at gunpoint at Spring Stampede and thrown in the, in, in the, in the, in the clink, as I remember correctly. For, for a, a, you know, threatening to attack Eric Bishop in thrown in prison they actually say fresh out of custody Hulk Hogan well, be- bearing in mind that you know seven days prior to that he'd been admitted to hospital in a hit and run it's been a tough week for, uh, for Terry <laughs> Terry Bollea um, he really hasn't had time to put his bandana on right <laughs> Scott Hudson says the thin blue line just cracked and uh, Tony Schiavone not one prone to hyperbole says 
one of the biggest stare downs we've ever seen. Hogan and the law. <laughs> I fought the law. <laughs> Hulk won. <laughs> yeah, stare down for the ages, Carl. Up there with Hogan and Andre at Mania 3, I'm sure for you. What did you think of this? Uh, this again? We're, talk- <laughs> we're talking about the storytelling. There's no, yo, it's all about the logic. We've heard Russo say this before. Yeah, we've had security get their ass kicked in the first segment. Then by segment three or four, they've quit. And now the police armed with guns. Are no match. Bash, are no match for an aging man with a black headband. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Paul Hogan walks to the gorilla position. And then he, can't, his mind. he can't find his way through the fucking entrance. He doesn't know where he he's is. He's lost. He walks just around. like the audience. He, he walks back and he kind of comes through the side entrance instead because he doesn't know where he's going. So uh, there you go. It's just the way he just nonchalantly turns around. Like, no, it's not that way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no help. No, it really is, Hogan. Keep going. Sean Stasek is still in the ring. Um, yeah, poor Kenny. He, he's been beaten down for an insane amount of time at this point and I can't imagine he was laying it was just stumps so he's just lying there for stumps for what's probably two and a half minutes all the while I'm sat there thinking well the millionaires club are there <laughs> yeah none of them could, could someone not make the save for old Kurt yeah, I just don't like his musical tastes who knows um, Sean stays still in the ring Hogan gets there punches him once and he takes a bump um, I don't know why he singled out Stasiak Tan too dark, perhaps, I'm not sure. But uh, Hogan throws him out of the ring like a piece of shit and uh, doesn't even give him a second thought before consulting his good friend, apparently Kurt Hennig. We all forget about that time you had me kicked out of the NWO Hulk. <laughs> hey, you know, I don't know. It's, it's all in the past, Carl. It's a new era. These, these are different times. It's a new WCW. Go to commercial break, we come back, and American Maid is playing. I didn't miss that song when it was gone. No, I, neither did I, and I'm just sat there wondering at what point did they think, well, Kurt's left? Hogan's in the ring. Let's cue the music. <laughs> Gotta give us something to do in the commercial break. He was doing the old Hulkster poses during the commercial break. I think he was. Mm. I think he was. Um, he wants to talk. He's got stuff to clear up. He's got stuff to get off his chest. He's talking about how he's been listening to the fans and his critics and the people saying he's too old. Uh, I fucking... Oh, this is where he explains time-space... <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, time space continuum where he's not getting old. Yeah, he's getting old, but everyone else is getting older day by day. So <laughs> but, I'm not the but, only one. But, but in a great line of defence, I haven't lost a step. Just, <laughs> I just half a step. Yeah, which is which is up there with the classic Sid line of "I'm twice the man that you are, and I have half the brain that you do." <laughs> what a fantastic line! Who wrote that? I haven't lost a step, just half a step. Wow. I'm here to Here look. comes the cavalry. Yeah. Half a step behind. What you need to do, Hulk, is go out there and tell everyone, yeah, you're shit, but not as shit as they think. <laughs> Bear with me. Yeah, yeah. Half a step, Hogan, the next uh, the next iteration <laughs> of, uh, of the Hawkster. I'm here to lead by example, says Hulk Hogan, <laughs> with a straight face. And then kick the ass of any young guy who wants his spot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to lead by example, if you want my spot, come and take it, I'll kick your ass. <laughs> At one point, he actually says, I'm going to stay here until someone kicks my ass and runs me off. I, I love it. You can, you can, oh, make, you yeah. can make the character of Hulk Hogan okay. look stupid. We you can it. make him slip on a banana skin for a one, two, three can. All of which 
is factually inaccurate. You yeah. actually can't do that to the character of Hulk Hogan because you're contractually obligated not to. <laughs> you can mess with the character of Hulk Hogan. You can mess with the gimmick. You can make me slip on a banana peel for a one, two, three. But Bischoff and Russo, with what they pulled last week and at Spring Stampede, they're messing with the man, Terry Bollea. And does he say about you messing with money as well? Yeah. That really you're taking, Yeah, you think you're messing with my money and taking food out of my kids' mouths. And, right. Yeah. He then tells us that Terry Bollea has more heart than every wrestler in the back, Jack. Large <laughs> um, heart. Yeah, I was going to say, look at his biceps, I bet that's true. Oh my God. So yeah, he, uh, he then calls out Kidman with this humdinger. I've listened to you cry about how you wanted the big push, how you weren't going to leave the hotel room until you knew what they were going to do with you out here. Well, brother... You make me sick. <laughs> Why can't you be a team player? Like me. <laughs> Fucking hell. Again, who are they writing this for? <laughs> Terry Bolea. This Terry Bolea shoot stuff. What is the point of this? Let's just piss away the character that he's been <laughs> yeah, yeah. 20 odd years. <laughs> so anyway, we go to the video wall where Billy Kibben is standing there with Tory Wilson and, and Eric Bischoff is hanging out behind him next to a white hummer. Dun dun dun. How many white hummers have they got? Uh, quite Because they have to have more than one, or they've got the best repair shop in the world. Mm, yeah. Maybe Kip- they take it to the Briscoes. <laughs> <laughs> Kidman's uh, Hulkamania, or Hulkster shirt, is spray-painted with NB on it, so uh, Kidman has to kind of talk here while Hogan goes backstage to find him, and it's not pretty. No, it's terrible. Again, yeah, this fella, these double segments, the, the, the one guy talking in the background, Kidman's mm-hmm. filling for time. His promo when he was at the focus was filling for time anyway. Yeah. And so he's just filling for time in the background while Hogan rampages. Whilst Hogan's walking yeah. and has to stop himself from saying son of a bitch because he notices the kids at a table. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's coming later. That was great. We're back from break and Hogan is actually walking. This is the first of the Hogan Walking Chronicles this week in the car park and uh, setting a new record for the phrases son of a bitch, god damn it, Kidman, and I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> Do you think he had one of those, um, what, do you, what do you call them, uh, pedometers? <laughs> yeah, he had to. Ho- Hogan's got to get in so many steps a day. I, I, I like yes. I like the, uh, the idea on a previous show of the, uh, the, the pedometer at the bottom, tracking the Hogan steps yeah. as we go along. Do you, think, do you think Hall had a pedometer for his 12 steps? <laughs> and how many times he's taken them? 12 or 10? I don't know. It, well, it is 12, but he's, taken, yeah, he's probably taking about 214 of those 12 steps. Yeah, but it's like two forward, like three back. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> we then cut suddenly from Hogan just cut just cut straight away to Gene Oakland backstage with Jeff Jarrett the world champion um, Gene doesn't even get time to fucking fart before he gets cut off here by Jarrett who refers to him as a Jurassic slap ass <laughs> choke on that Jurassic slap ass <laughs> which does get a giggle <laughs> from the live crowd he also challenges anybody that isn't a millionaire to wrestle him tonight from this cracked superstar brigade that they have Anyone who's not a millionaire can wrestle me. For the world title. For the world title. Um, and then what he, a heel. He wraps up against the Jurassic slap ass, yeah. Well, he's mean to an old man, Carl, but he is offering opportunities to everyone. Yeah. The same opportunity he wasn't given by your boy Stone Cold, which we'll talk about in two weeks on the timeline. And rightly so. <laughs> However, no time to digest, we're back in the ring. The wall! Here comes the wall. Here comes the wall. It's funny I think I hit the wall. About 15 minutes prior. <laughs> but don't worry, the sauntering hardcore champion himself, <laughs> Terry Funk, is here. Uh, and we cut to a random video of Spring Stampede on Terry Funk's entrance, which is uh, Vince Russo berating Dustin Rhodes 
uh, saying that he and his father were nothing and the only time that Dustin was something was when he was gold dust and who created gold dust and put every word in your mouth which by the way wasn't you asshole <laughs> I just want to point that out because he wasn't on the team at the time so uh, just a, a little tidbit there this I, also had no business being on the show because nothing no, to do with Dustin on the I show I have no idea what how this is relevant to anything <laughs> this was not relevant to a single thing well bearing in mind we won't see Dustin again until what February of the next year really yeah you actually see him again nope Huh. Next, does he fire next, him? He does, doesn't he? He does fire him. He fired him. Okay, that's why. I, I can only assume he, he's got some sort wow, of. Wow, there's actually some continuity there. Because the next time he comes back is uh, for the old um, kiss my ass match with him and his, and him and his puppy against. Uh, yeah, when they were really scraping the back. Jarrett and Flair. Who <laughs> oh. wants to talk about the start of this match? It's a match? It's a match. It's Funk versus The Wall. Hardcore title. It starts with an unprotected chair shot to the head by Terry Funk. And then another, and then another, and then another. Four chair shots in a row to the head of the wall, unprotected, and then the wall cuts him off with a kick to the gut. None of them were sold, and takes over with just pedestrian offence. I couldn't believe that someone as great as Terry Funk agreed or something like that. I don't think he give a fuck. <laughs> I think, I, bearing, well, in mind, do. bearing in mind how that year progresses for Terry, I think he was just, you know, he was prepared to do almost anything because he probably couldn't believe the amount they were paying him. I hope it was worth it, Terry. That's all I'll say here. The match spills to the floor. Terry Funk uses a chair to the back of the wall. These ones he sells. I thought that was a bit puzzling. He's been worn down. Mm, That's great. Well, he wasn't worn down enough here because Terry Funk decided, as old as he was, to climb the ropes (laughs) with the wall standing on the floor. And I thought, no, don't do that, Terry. And then I shrieked and screamed, oh, fucking hell! You know when when he, when he does that and he hits the deck and the arm and the arm quivers yeah. and you know you suddenly think, God that's quite that's sort of a sickening thing that's that's quite realistic the way Funk sort of you know he's not doing the old Devon Dudley twitching bollocks he's actually you know like he might be really seriously hurt and then you think actually no he's probably not selling that it's probably years of nerve damage that's taken its toll. <laughs> A moonsault from the top to the floor by Funk. The wall does nothing to break the fall, even though he's supposed to. Funk lands right on his shoulder on the match, which is where you're the, uh, the arm twitching comes from here. We're only 60 seconds in, by the way, at this point. After a moonsault to the floor, multiple chair shots to the head and back, and Terry Funk pretty much committing suicide here because no one helped him on the landing. Um, Mark Madden you know, freaks out at how old he is. And as they talk about how he's 56 year old, uh, he's a 56 year old man. Madden says, actually, he's born on a leap year. He's actually 229, which I thought was quite funny. It's really also worth pointing out at this stage Hudson and Madden have switched seats at commentary for some reason. Hmm, I didn't notice that. No idea why. No, me either. It just appears that Madden's getting fatter every time the camera focuses on him. That's a harsh take, Carl. <laughs> but not inaccurate. <laughs> Tons of chair shots to the back on Terry Funk here from the wall. Um, the wall takes Funk to the announce table and Shivani goes, of course, the announce desk. <laughs> Shivani's had long since given up by this oh, point. Oh, he's cashing a check. And then as he goes to pile drive Funk on the table, straight back into oversell mode, if he does that, he'll kill him! <laughs> Talked about the overselling this comms to Yeah. Uh, it's so unbearable. Um, everything is the most devastating every thing ever. single thing every single thing has got 100% intensity and importance which means nothing has any intensity and importance <laughs> no not one single thing on this show gets over um, they they fight back to the entrance set at one point Funk gets rammed between the guardrails uh, Wall's like ramming him with a guardrail against the guardrail <laughs> oh yeah it's the head that was a couple of, yeah. yeah and the cage to the head uh, the, but the, before the cage is when he hits him with Wall hits him with <laughs> 
<laughs> a real weak chair shot. And Terry Funk, now he says, was from like, I got it written down. What did he So he hits him with a chair. And Funk either didn't like the chair shot because it was too hard or because it was too soft. And too soft, it was a fucking was terrible it? chair shot, yeah. You motherfucking goddamn son of a bitch! Punches him in the ear. <laughs> Punches him in the ear. You fucking asshole! <laughs> But then he does sell for him. Yeah. Um, Mad old bastard. It was just like he's thinking, when, when, when I'm going to fire up, when we'll fire up, it's a shit chair shot, so that'll be it then. Yeah. Okay. Comes back and then gets his head squashed in the, uh, the, in the cage. cage. That looked pretty brutal. That, well, that looked great. Yeah. That looked like he was killing the poor fucker. Um, I'm, I'm, as I'm watching this match, I'm thinking, you know, I really don't like the idea. Because yeah, I don't like the wall at all. The wall sucks to me. Um, I know some people like him for some reason, but I think he's terrible. Who? I want names. There are people. There are people. You can find anything on the internet, I'm telling you. But, um,. As I'm fearing that Terry Funk is going to do a job for the wall, suddenly two tables fall from the set and hit the wall in the head from behind. Terry Funk stamps on them and pins him, and it's over. Which I think was God doing us all a favour. Yeah, exactly. it's the only thing I could figure out. I don't think this was ever actually explained. I'm going to say I can't wait to see where this goes. Oh wait, it's never referenced again. And they, the comms didn't really push it hard either. No, it? those well, tables seem to fall or something. Like I think that. one one of them didn't look. One of them <laughs> has, a, has a token throwaway line about they don't think it was an accident. Well, that was what. But it was never explained, so maybe it yeah. was For, foreshadowing the non-event. Another Russo swerve. <laughs> yeah, no, no, another tasty morsel to dangle in front of his fans. We haven't got time to, to talk about this. Yeah, cut straight away. Let's move on. Let's move on. Um, milliseconds after the pin is registered, we're you backstage. Not, yeah, you do not get any celebration time. On not even show. enough time for the saunter. Oh there, no! Disheartened by that. And of all the things to cut to, it's fucking Vince Russo and Chronic. I can only imagine the rating for this segment. By the way, we can barely hear a thing in this fucking terribly produced thing. <sighs> Chronic demands a tag team title match which was part of their deal for helping Buff and Shane last night spring stampede Russo being the, se- the uh, wise sage booker that he is says no not tonight tonight is not the night for that match not even that he's angry He's not. It, this isn't a cowardly heel no. he's, he stands up to Chronic and says god damn it chest out chest out we Pro- think probably holding his, his dick with his left hand probably baseball bat on his right Thumb up his ass with his right. I don't know. Um, no, arm, arm out like that's, that's a page. <laughs> yeah. New York. Um, yeah, basically, he just corrects him. Says, "I didn't say that." You know. Yeah. Just remember, you talking to here. Be patient, boys. Yeah. Because he's stone, I'm the fucking star. Because he's stone cold Vince Russo. Yeah. Adams is happy, Ad- and Adams isn't happy, but acquiesces and motions <laughs> Clark to move out of the way. Yeah. Hey, hey, to be fair. Vinny Russo, back off. <laughs> back off, boys. We might be cashing checks and breaking necks, but we're not going to do it to Vinny Roo. Clark just stands there, by the way, the whole time, doesn't say a word, doesn't care. Which, um, yeah, he does later on for their promo too in the ring. Yeah, curious. Cool. Uh, we get a pair of five-second clips now. So the first one is, Jeff Jarrett's open contract is hanging on the door. This is, again, the open opportunity for a world title match. Uh, we just see... Sell it tape to the door. Um, Again, budget was spent on balloons. <laughs> we see a hand signing the contract. Five second clip. We cut back. Another five second clip of Jeff Jarrett moaning to Vince Russo about the person that signed the contract uh, as he rips it off the door. That was very a quick turnaround, wasn't it? Yeah. Just like, oh, God damn it, Russo. And then goes in the room and that's the end of the segment. <clears throat> five seconds. If you missed it, tough shit. You're behind now. <laughs> Where Hulk Hogan is half a step back. <laughs> we go to Gene who's with DDP wearing that fancy Sopranos t-shirt. And as you say, Kieran, there's multiple things going on here. As the Mama Luke's music plays in the background. And for a second I thought, you know what, I wonder if that's one of those novelty shirts from Blackpool that plays the song of the show. 
<laughs> there's a Prado's theme song and there's oh no wait it's not Mama Luke's I know where we are now speaking of novelties <laughs> DDP talks about being in a bad mood after his wife had left him but not really a bad mood he's quite chipper he, no, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't mention his wife he's angry at Bischoff for screwing with his personal life doesn't mention Kim that no, much no um, kind of makes you think that she might have been right exactly right yeah it's not about you it's about the fact that you fuck with me yeah um, he then does grab the camera looks at the camera and says he's going to tear Bischoff a new ass <laughs> not a new asshole he's going to tear him the whole ass new cheeks, cheeks <laughs> new cheeks new blood new cheeks <laughs> <laughs> new blood new ass <laughs> love it <laughs> Vito and Johnny the Bull are in the ring and they're getting ready for their match when we cut backstage suddenly to Chronic beating up the Harris brothers and this is one of those things where the, the scene cut and because the cuts are so sharp it happened when I blinked <laughs> I, got, I thought I'd like skipped like 15 minutes of this show you had a seizure in past day oh fucking absence I opened my eyes and thought I was in hell it's like oh my god what just happened of course you were in hell it's the Harris boys and chronic that's what I'm talking about I, I wasn't sure at this point am I happy about this there are no winners I'd probably I'd probably prefer Chronic over the Harris boys. Yeah, yeah, me yeah too. but that's that's the definition of Hobson's choice. Well, I had I, what I thought was going to be a three-hour show to get through, so it was small victories at this uh, point. Okay, okay. Also, I will say that if you were Chronic, if this was a shizoot, as Vince Russo would say, um, and they were told they couldn't have a tag title match because this wasn't the show for it, and they looked at the lineup and saw the next match was the Harris boys versus the Mama Lukes, which, by the way, I think fucking headlined a UK tour show they did over here in February, didn't it? Didn't they do a show in like Birmingham that was headlined by the Mamelukes versus the Harris Boys? Was that was that? the main event. Was I at that show? No. Was I not? No, no. You went to the one later in the year. Was it? Okay. Yeah. You dodged that fucking shit show. That. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure the Mamelukes main event next time too. Though. Yeah, yeah. You probably did. Um, so of course, Chronic, after beating up the Harris Boys, hit the ring to fight the Mamelukes. Uh, they destroyed the Lukes here. Uh, what did this, you guys think? This feels like it's going on forever. Think so? Yeah. A series of power moves, power moves, I should say. How did you think they looked here in their uh, their TV debut? Even though it wasn't really a match, but they just beat the shit out of the Har- the, uh, the Mama Lukes. I thought they looked better. I thought they looked. They had some potential as an act. Um, well, at this point, when they're beating them up, they were. No, I didn't think so. I thought because you know they got. They got Adams with their five. They got <laughs> I just no, I thought they looked pretty shit. Yeah. Um yeah. Um fucking crushes Bob. Just does my head in. Mm. And yeah, the promo afterwards. I will say, just very quickly, that they, they, they use this the cons to reiterate that it's a fight, not a match, because we don't need matches in the new WCW. We, no. just, we just fight and sort things out. <laughs> Actually say that at one point in the show, don't they? They say it about three times. Really I missed it. Yeah. This is yeah, but def- at this point they, they, this, this is I think it's referenced in passing earlier in the show when guys mm. brawling when there's the low blows. There's probably a low blow in the first match. There's probably two in the first match. There's a ref bump. There's a ref match. Bump. Yeah, obviously. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a fight, not a match. Yeah, it's a new WCW baby, <laughs> bro. Uh, so yeah, anyway, Brian Adams does the promo, which is just fucking terrible which is like yeah and while, while Clark stood there and it's like Jesus how bad must you be yeah you gotta be a terrible talk if this guy is that bad or is it just because Crush is probably a bit more experienced he's trying to manipulate him let me do the promos yeah I could see that I don't know either way I could see Clark being the uh, shrinking I was, I was sat there watching it trying to figure out who who is Adams trying to rip off here 
pro wrestler. He's terrible. Because he's not, but he's not talking. You know, sort of. His his tone is sort of octave and whatever. It, it didn't seem like it was flowing naturally. Like he was he was trying to do dramatic pauses between lines. He's trying to channel someone here. I have no idea who. And it's really not doing him any favours. It was poor. They're trying to get over the uh, the name Chronic by talking oh, about God. chronic pain, oh. chronic beating. Yeah. Um, at one point oh, he says, whoever oh. faces them will end up in chronic pain yeah. and will be living a chronic nightmare, which... Which was quite apt for the viewing audience. <laughs> yes, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. Adams tells Russo to hurry up with that tag title shot. <sighs> I don't think they realise who they're pissing off. They don't. No, they didn't say it to his face, did they? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And if you want to talk about unnatural promos Carl don't worry because Vampiro is up next Jesus we'll get to Vampiro yeah just very quickly this is this is the point where I, I much like now wanted a cigarette and I was <laughs> worried I wouldn't have enough time to get cigarette breaks in in this four hour show and when I paused I was so by god <laughs> ecstatic to see I was 50 minutes into a uh, uh, one hour, half, half yeah. an hour and a half show, whatever. So I was basically halfway through a two-hour show. It was, it was like, oh, delightful. oh my god! I know it felt longer with uh, all those segments, and it will feel much longer. The second hour will feel like two hours, but in we made it. We made terms, it. Yeah, what Hogan's taught me about time and space earlier in the show, <laughs> um, it could be worse. Yeah, really paid off it. Yeah. So out comes Vampiro, and. Again, it's it's that thing of, I like the entrance with the dreadlocks, the paint, the music, his demeanour as he walks to the ring. I, I, you know, it's not bad at this stage, but it's the Vampiro rule of any time he has to do anything in the ring, or talk or anything, it's always awful. And I was like, I looked at this as he wrote down, uh oh, he's got the microphone, and it was terrible. I mean, he's trying to talk like this idiosyncratic style, but he just sucks. Oh. It's- no, guys. Yeah, this was fucking terrible. Brothers in Paint. Mm. I thought he said pain. Well, he did say pain. They were known as the Brothers in Paint, but he was trying to have a twist on that by calling them the Brothers in Pain. Because that's because what he said. Think, Kieran, for about two weeks, they were a tag team. Right. That explains it. Yeah, I thought first of all they said he said Brothers in Pain. He that's did. What I wrote down, and then he said, "But Sting, you know nothing about pain." Yeah. So I thought, well, you're hardly brothers then. Mm. Um, this was yeah he was fucking terrible this was the worst promo on the show oh no it wasn't worse than Kim oh yeah that's that's a good point so we're two for two on the all time terrible promos here though yeah it's just it's just a a turgid affair yeah which I think despite the conviction with which Sting delivers his remarks boy it's still just terrible all round so Vampiro is talking about how only you know what happened when I took you under the ring it's... yeah especially says he raped him made him bleed mm. um, but he still doesn't know pain tasted his blood and smelled his fear <laughs> yeah <laughs> which I guess I think I wrote down is I guess mean stink shit himself <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what, would, what you would assume isn't it it's, it's this it's this that's the only way you can really smell fear, isn't it? It certainly is, Liam. It's just this sort of try-hard notion of just these efforts to speak in riddles without saying anything, without there being a hook to it's it. It's like the Taken Ministry stuff, it's, isn't it's it? It's Bray Wyatt without the fucking delivery. Yeah, yeah. It, 
It's Bray White when you take it out and just the, the verbiage on a piece of paper and give it to someone's shit. Yeah. Yeah. Bluntly. Um, again, uh, so, so, of course, the promo's moving along so slow. The lights go out. Sting's music plays. Vampiro continues talking at one point, doesn't actually understand. And so Vampiro's looking at the entranceway, waiting for him to arrive, and Sting bombs it down from the rafters, doing the uh, the, the vintage Sting descent of old. This is the, I think it was probably the first time he'd done it post-Owen. I'm not sure. They said that he hadn't done it in a while, so I'm assuming that was the case. Um, but man, he had some fucking speed on this descent. That's why he didn't blow his knee or something. He came down fucking fast. Yeah, but as quickly as he descended, he made up for that with the amount of time it took him to get the harness off. Which, don't get me wrong... Let's not I, complain. No, <laughs> I can understand from a safety element why you do that. But yeah, if you're going to do that, you have to bear in mind when you're executing the angle how terrible it's going to fucking look as... Sting is carefully taking his time to what? What would you call it? Disembark? Whatever. Whatever. Term, uh, disengage. Term, disengage. Yes. Whilst he's taking that time to disengage, a you've light. got a light. A light. I like that. While he's taking the time to alight, you might say from the darkness. Vampiro is just twirling around in the ring. Doesn't know where to go. Like, <laughs> he doesn't know what to do. What a fucking sack of shit. <laughs> Looking out to the crowd, what do I do? Well, you might just want to punch him. Yeah, the, ho- <laughs> the hokiest what's going on here look. Yeah. While Sting is, you know, tied up, just punch the guy in the face. No. Vampiro moves forward, Sting wallops him in the throat with the bat. And he twice. bounces up. He bounces up, he does it it's again. awful. He bounces up. The Carol bump and bots. feed here oh, is shit. The only ones that are good is he does a nice little Mr. Perfect tribute act when uh, he's holding the rope with one hand and Sting hits him in the back of the knee and he gets to take the, the rotation yeah, bump. But he still pops up. You don't bump and feed for a baseball bat. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, ten, he's like ten, ten, twelve shots with well, this. Yeah, he, he, he can't swing it like Russo does. He's not from New York. No, that's true. It's a proper ball playing time. Fucking Yankees. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the good thing about the uh, the um, the rope bump was it was when Sting was talking about so I don't know pain, I learnt pain from guys like the Nature Boy and hits him in the back of the leg. Yeah, and yeah. Just, just the I learned it nice. from Lex Luger. Yeah. He's waxing with the bat, calls him boy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Scorpion Death Drop. Thanks for playing, Vamp. It was like watching a pissant schoolboy who picked a fight with the sixth form, is all I could think. It's like you just got your ass kicked, son, yeah. by a pro. Um, I Sting, nice promo talking about his turf and stuff. I wrote, Sting was good, but then I crossed that good and put fine. Mm. I, I thought I'm not putting good on this show. No. 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 Although, yeah, actually, his individual performance wasn't. It was fine. It was fine. It was fine. That's what oh, I yeah. borderline good. Yeah, I see yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. In contrast to. Exactly. exactly. Every, other, every other delivery or promo on the show where it's. Uh, hey, this guy. This guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. He did what he wanted to do. Let's contrast here, Bob. As we go through, how good the New Blood guys look on this show, by the way, in the new WCW, where the focus needs to be. Sean Stasiak thrown over the top of like a used condom by Hulk Hogan, so far. And here we are, Vampiro getting the, 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 the dog shit knocked out of him by Stingmon. So we'll, uh, we'll see how this goes if this becomes well, a pattern. Don't worry, because a rebound is just around the corner. I can feel it in my bones. That's Hulk Hogan, walking around, screaming for Billy Kibben. Shirtless the, now. Shirtless. He's now taken off the jacket. Uh, the headband is still at large. Five seconds. Jarrett and Russo are complaining backstage about the mystery opponent. Um, that they don't, they don't say who this is, of course. We'll get to that later on. Uh, the whole thing of this is that Russo says he'll fix the situation because mm. he is rock hard. Um, he'll go and talk to whoever it is. The belt, by the way, I noticed at this point the belt is like too big for Jeff Jarrett. It's like sticking out of the sides. It's like he's literally not fit to be the world champion. <laughs> <laughs> this poor bastard. The belt doesn't fucking fit him. Um, DDP's back. 
And here comes the new blood rebound. <laughs> because it is in time, uh, in fact time, for Mike Orson. However, before Mike Orson comes to the ring, on this expensively produced show, halfway through DDP's entrance, the template for a Nitro split screen pops up <laughs> and just stays there, showing DDP through both windows. It's almost like we live at Eric Bischoff's house so we can see into the kitchen at DDP. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this is a curious thing. This is... Spent millions on this show. Yeah. Has anyone got a timestamp for, for this point of the show? Because I believe this is match number two. This is past the halfway mark. Yeah, it's past the halfway mark for about... Uh, I'd say about an hour in. Hour and ten in. An hour and... Yeah. Into, hour, the, into hour, a two-hour show. Hour and ten into a two-hour show. We're on match two. That sounds about right to me. Yeah. Okay. Mike Awesome comes out. It takes less than ten seconds for him to scream, Right here, baby! <laughs> Which is about all he's got to offer. And in a terrible career move, the mullet is tied into a ponytail. Oh, dear. I yeah. didn't realise this, this is only second week. Yeah. This is eighth day in the company. Yeah, eighth day in the company. His tights look so fucking cheap in this environment, by the way. <laughs> he's got fucking black tops with awesome written on the back. Yeah, he, he He's been with the company effectively one week. Yeah. And by the end of this, he may as well have not bothered being there at all. Mike Awesome, they uh, run up the ropes back elbow early. Uh, DDP's got me in the corner and says uh, into the camera, You want some, Eric, you rat bastard? <laughs> Tough words from Diamond Dallas. Uh, Tough get... words from a weak man. <laughs> <laughs> a twisting rock bottom, uh, rock bottom by uh, the man that Regis once called Diamond Dan. <laughs> um falls out the ring Mike Awesome with a springboard clothesline to the floor he's trying here on his 8th day god bless him the announcers don't give a shit though they give it the old that's cool treatment and then go back to talking about the angles smattering of ECW chants smattering of ECW chants as, or, as uh, Madden makes sure to get in cruiserweight style with heavyweight force mm. that's about the only focus Mike Awesome gets in this whole match by the way um, DDP hits him with a chair twice as Mark Madden talks about the relaxed disqualification rules, and this is where the fucking beauty of this show, and the reason why I want to do this one so bad, comes in. Chris Canyon runs in to attack Mike Awesome, and the ref calls for a DQ. <laughs> the announcers are talking about how the relaxed rules are in WCW and how they were, yeah. and they even say, because nobody tuned in to see a DQ. And before they'd even finished the sentence, Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Disqualification. But bear in mind that consistency for when we get to Luger versus uh, the old French fries. <laughs> but this yeah. is too beautiful. They hadn't even finished explaining that there's no DQs oh, before there's a DQ. But they didn't say there wasn't. <laughs> no. just relaxed rules. You can't... Uh, you know, timing is everything. <laughs> Indeed it is. Uh, of course, Canyon gets German suplexed and murdered. Mike Awesome pulls out a table to a babyface pop... Uh, the crowd is dying to see him put Canyon through it. When we hear the howl of he the wolf... Get, he did get attacked by the babyface in this match for no yeah, reason. Two on so. one. Yeah, there you go. Two on one. Awesome's on top of this situation. Um, the wolf howls. <clears throat> That's right. It's time. And of course, like a fucking idiot... Vampiro, actually, in the previous segments, he looks towards the entranceway because that's what always happens. And of course, Kevin Nash, master of stealth comes from behind and fucking waylays him with a close up to the back of the neck like the biggest coward yep. what a fucking so we asshole got, we got baby faces running interference and jumping people from behind a heel world champion giving out opportunities to anybody who wants one Kevin Nash Billy, Billy Kidman calling out Hogan yeah and bearing in mind we're eight days into the Mike Awesome ex experiment in which experience <laughs> In which WCW got taken to court by Heyman, and what do they have to show for their all these efforts and all the sort of merry-go-round of it all? 
been there eight days. He's had one successful run in. He's lost in a tournament. Submitted in a tournament, no less, to the Steiner recliner. And now, the next night, this killer with cruiserweight athleticism, but heavyweight impact, or whatever words that effect you want to use, whatever you can put in a t shirt, put through a table by Big Sexy. Yeah. Jackknife powerbombs him and gives him his own spot to the table. Which, which we have to have, we must add. He set up the table. He set up himself to put uh, uh, Canyon through. Canyon through. So Kev didn't even do the work there either. Might <laughs> <laughs> blow out his knee or have a heart attack if he sets up the table. Get a splinter. Yeah. Yeah. Do I the power bomb and then just climb onto the second rope while DDP's mincing around the ring trying to get some heat <laughs> and failing miserably. Mincing around with kid uh, with Canyon. There's some uh, sense of irony there. Yeah. Words. Anyway. <laughs> Kevin Nash crotch chops, by the way, to end this segment. He just stands over and starts fucking furiously crotching at his, chopping at his crotch. Just remember, there's another more popular show on another channel. <laughs> Where the stars do this. <laughs> no time, Carl, let's move along. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Two more. To the back. Very quick segments in a row here. Russo is talking to Jeff Jout's opponent off camera. It's hidden by a door, so we don't know who it is. But he's basically saying... Reconsider it, bro. You know how Jeff Jarrett gets. And then we cut to Tank Abbott, who's walking around backstage as uh, Mark Madden shits his pants on commentary. Of course, he doesn't get a sentence out before the shot is finished and we're back on a break. <laughs> but Tank's here. But Tank's here. Tank's here. What's he doing here? Now. Here we go. We get to what I thought was the highlight of the show. Definitely. <laughs> we're backstage with Buff Bagwell and Shane Douglas standing with Gene Oakland. <laughs> And Buff Bagwell, Gene Oakland gets cut off like three times in this one promo. Buff cuts him off to say nothing at all. He has nothing to say. He says, we're the new tag team champions and I'm wrestling Luger at Slamry when I beat you in a singles. Ha 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 But like a true heel, he apologises for cutting Gene off. Yeah, sorry Gene. Gene, Gene then starts up and Douglas cuts him off and says he's got Ric Flair at Slammery and then I wrote this down for seven years I've dreamed of getting my paws on that stinking ass Ric Flair he says he can't get his mind off what happened at Thunder last week with that jackass jackass Lex Lex and gargling motor oil fucking best line (laughs) and jackass real visceral rage he fucking cares yeah I thought that he cared about this it got better it got better they both get about 15 seconds of verbiage in before music's playing in the background again Lex Luger then shows up and I think Douglas challenges Luger to a match first Luger shows up and accepts and says he will accept on the condition that Ric Flair and Lex Luger will get the tag team belts if Vince Russo shows up before the final bell in a singles match between Luger and Shane the tag belts are on the line only if Russo shows up if dangerous Vince Russo the world's most dangerous New Yorker (laughs) turns up you lose your tag titles. Yeah. And then, in the way I fucking love this, Luger calls Douglas a nothing happening wannabe punk. And Douglas replies with, Nothing happening? Well, it'll be happening all over your ass. <laughs> <laughs> tough, tough words on this show. Yeah, yeah. It was done in Shane Douglas style. I should have be been more aggressive. Yeah, yeah. It'll be happening all over your ass. <laughs> Buff yeah. does say, We'll kick your ass. We'd have kicked your ass if Liz wasn't standing there. This is his only contribution to this. You get there's a sense there's a lot of repressed feelings amongst this WCW locker room. There's certainly a fixation with asses. Asses indeed. Tearing, yeah. 
smelling the fear, presumably from the ass. Uh, nothing happening. Well, it'll uh, be happening all over your ass. So is there nothing happening over your ass, or will I don't something be happening? Over something your will ass. be, but I, I, yeah. And is this an original ass, or is this an ass that you know it's just been torn? Is this a new ass? <laughs> Call me assholes, new asshole. I'm not sh- so many variables. Speaking of assholes, Tank Abbott's here. Madden's losing his shit at ringside, and it's it's not all that great. It's uh, he's freaking out. It's quite annoying. Is Tank supposed to be a face or a heel? Heel, I think. Okay. He's a heel, but like a true heel, he decked out the heel announcer the week before. Yeah, no, he beat up Mark Madden. Yeah. Um, okay. And actually, Tank starts this promo by just kind of looking at Madden, saying, "Don't even look at me, fat ass." Yeah. And you know, on one hand, I praised Sting for the conviction with which he delivered his lines earlier in the show we come to the other end of the spectrum when it comes to Tank Abbott and his delivery I am not scared of Tank Abbott whatsoever I reckon I can I when am, I hear him speak nah I am genuinely more scared of Vince Russo than I am Tank Abbott I'm more scared of Julian Clary when he talks than <laughs> this fucker nah <laughs> Tank continues saying that he's uh, going to be beating up innocent people but until remember, Goldberg appears this isn't his first barbecue not my first barbecue Goldberg which I'm not surprised to hear <laughs> The stains down his shirt <laughs> he's like a mini bastion bugger yeah, yeah actually yeah especially the grey in the beard as well that kind mm-hmm. of that doesn't look good on a bald man so he, he's looking for innocent victims and earlier in the show we'd had a shot of Bruce MacArthur who owned the United Centre I can't believe I've missed my note on that it's so irrelevant I did make a note yeah they show us the come show us three hockey jobbers an yeah. owner yeah. a, an enforcer Bob his, Probert who's yeah. mad and freaks out about he's a hockey guy yeah Here's the bloke who owns the United Centre. The larger building that we're not currently in. <laughs> yeah, they're not running right now. One day. <laughs> that day's gone, everybody, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah. Tank decides he's going to get Bruce MacArthur, and I fucking howled with laughter, because he grabs him in a completely uncontrolled manner, picks him like a pile driver, and then stumbles and fucking drives him into the ring apron. This poor fucking guy. What's going on this here? Poor guy. As soon as Tank put hands on him, he, went, he, he turned into like a paraplegic. He's like, his whole body, <laughs> he had no control. He was it's just like, yeah. It's kind of like the Big Lebowski. When, uh, when Walter picks up the cripple at the end. It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly like that. Yeah. Well, the other the fucking fake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking gold brickers. Plenty of this company. He fucking drives this legitimately like millionaire owner of the building. And what I'm sure, oh, it's just a fake wrestling. Well, Tank fucking stumbles and almost kills this guy on the ring apron. And then uh, it's like these untalented rubes. Like, why is Tank Abbott doing this? Like, then in comes the enforcer. Yes. who looks anything but an enforcer. The way he gingerly makes his way into the ring and trepidatiously pushes Tank Abbott with one hand yeah everyone of course hits the ring for yeah. this all the fucking bullshit that's going on in the show can't get the security there fast enough for Bob and Tank and Madden is losing his shit yeah cut to cut <laughs> to the back Hogan walking <laughs> he's been looking for Kibben all over the building for what feels like an age he gets a tip uh, I believe this is where he gets a tip from is this where he's walking through and he doesn't want to say some of it's because the kids are there? I think it is. Possibly. I'm just curious, how hard must it have been for him to find Kidman? Because Kidman hasn't moved from where he cut the promo earlier in the show. Well, we've seen... He's in the same place. We've already... Well, Hogan's already 
proved that he's this is I, I mean, sense of direction is exactly, quite poor. He's, yeah. he's not very well orientated. He's half a step slower than he used to be. Exactly. Mm. Presumably, presumably he could have done with talking to the owner of the building, but now that guy's unconscious to get a bearing. Yeah. So it's yeah, basically Hogan's lost half a step. So, and his buddy got beaten up by a disc jockey the night before. Yeah. So you know, and he's just come out of prison. Yeah. Six days before that, he came out of the hospital. It's not surprising he's a little disorientated. Yeah. Give him a pass. Maybe that's why he's wearing the black headband. Actually, no, I'm not letting that one go. No, that's a terrible no. decision. Um, so, anyway. <laughs> you're like the fucking karate kid, but like an old man. Yeah. What's the guy off uh, Tekken? Hey, Hachi. He had, the, he had the fucking wild hair at the back and the balding look. He was, yeah, I can see it. Yeah, I can see it. he's resembling, obviously, blonde, but there you go. Um... So, of course, after uh, Hulk Hogan st- is storming away, he gets a tip that Kidman's outside. So, uh, okay. He's still walking. We cut to a Nitro Girls commercial, and there's Miss Hancock! It was her. I thought it was, but a different yeah. name. Calling her Sky, and coming just to go to their website. The Nitro Girls, who you now never see on TV, and I wasn't even aware they were still together at this point. As well, a sort of troop. Hadn't they? Hadn't Russo tried to book them in a feud against each other in his first run? I think he did. Really? He did do. Oh, well, he, he, he sort of he parlayed uh, Kimberly off to a feud involving David Flair, which was hideous. I think Spice was wrestling one of them. I remember a Spice terrible was match. involved with Medusa for some reason. Mysterio was no, not Mysterio. Evan Courageous would seem to be having his way with all of them. So are you saying Vince Russo was the uh, originator of the women's revolution? <laughs> You could one he, one he, could. He, he did book an intergender match on a nitro between Medusa go. and uh, Brad Armstrong. He did have Sable Powerbomb Mark yeah. Mero. That's true. That's true. Brad Armstrong as Buzzkill. Mm, okay. Unless we forget that TNA's female revolution began with Vince Russo as the head booker at the time. There you go. So yeah. Wicked. Champion for the women, <laughs> Vince Russo. <laughs> Not a conclusion I expected to come to here tonight. No. SCG Radio uh, Russo and Jarrett are still moaning at each other and uh, Russo basically says that the mystery opponent still wants the match he wasn't able to convince him and Jeff Jarrett says there we go again JJ Dillon as he walks off the yeah. screen <laughs> what the fuck do you say to that there we go again JJ Dillon There we go again, J.J. Dillon. Anybody? Anybody? Does anyone know? No. Where's your scissors? <laughs> what happened in New York? I'm going to say, is this criticising J.J. Dillon for something that happened in New York in the mid-90s? Or is he criticising J.J. Dillon for something that happened in WCW in 97? Or is he criticising him for something to do with today? I will or guess I say 2000. this was something to do with the fact that he didn't like J.J. Dillon in real life around this time. But of course, whatever the incident was happened in an office somewhere that we are not privy to. Awesome. <laughs> I'm glad that it's been played out here on national TV. Great. Yeah. I hope you've got the the uh, the uh, Nielsen rating figures for this. I haven't, but I can, I'll get them real quick at the end of the show. Uh, Lex Luger is out now to his great total package music. I don't care what anyone says. Hang on, just before this, <laughs> just qu- quickly before they're uh, yeah they're pontificating over who the, the mystery guy may be. Yes. Who in the world could it be? In capitals, I've written. Is it from someone from another promotion? We had Mike Awesome come. Yes, that's the quote. Awesome turned up last week, and I thought that's when I thought, oh fucking hell, poor bastard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So a mystery guy from another promotion snuck in. And sign that contract yeah. real fast. Two seconds before 
uh, Jeff Jarrett took it off the door and realised someone had signed it. I'm pro- I think he's probably out someone from another promotion. Yeah. But you never know. You never know. <laughs> it might be Jim Ross. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would make sense. That would be great. That's the guy you have pushed the match against uh, the Heat, <laughs> so that does make sense. Yeah, see, I thought I could preempt this as throughout this show long storyline. I thought, you know what? I know this is, and it's all a, a big ruse, and a, because Jarrett wrestles Queewee. That's who Jarrett wrestles. He wrestles Queewee. So why are they doing all this backstage stuff as if the fans aren't watching to then fool the, you know, because they're talking as if the fans can't see what they're talking about, to then get in the ring and sort of yuck it up because it's Queewee. And then I realised, no, we'll I'm come wrong. To, we'll come to who it is. It's, it's not Queewee. Because that's an angle they do two months after this. <laughs> the exact same angle? Yeah. Well, <laughs> well two, two months might be a bit of a stretch, but later in the year, they do pretty much the exact same angle. With Kui Wee as the punchline. With Kui Wee. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> Liz is out with his match. Uh, sorry, Liz. Luger's out with Liz for a match against Shane Douglas. And Luger, and I said this on the last one we did, but it, it bears repeating. That bloated pills and roids look <laughs> that looks like he's in great shape and fucking at death's door at the same time, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh you, Lex. You've worked hard on your physique and now it looks like you can barely move. <laughs> it's like he's full of air. He looks yeah. full of air. Yeah, you're waiting for, for, for him to, to be deflated. Yeah. There's another uh, Triple Decker Cage and Ready to Rumble plug at this point as well. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. I, I, I did not catch that. Mm-hmm. Liz clearly has the look of someone who's just doesn't give a shit and he's cashing a check turned up in a house dress <laughs> yeah um, Luger can't even be asked to do his pose in the ring no he can't he, they do the spotlights for me it's like I was say, at this point he can't even be asked to do the spotlight taking off I of the trousers and shirt to pose I wouldn't put this on Luger's laziness I would put this down to the time constraints and how the show is put together because you haven't got time for such stationary static shots as posing Carl mm. you don't even get to pose post win well, you do. Back. You do. Oh, yeah, that's But true. only the crowd see it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We are treated oh. to about 12 Luger O's in short order here, both on offense and defense. Oh! Uh, <laughs> Luger starts by punching Shane, then spends the next minute also using kicks, punches, turnbuckle smashes uh, all over Douglas. So far, nothing is happening over Luger's ass. Um, <laughs> Douglas finally gets a Russian leg sweep and chokes Luger with a piece of tape. An Irish whip into the corner by Douglas. He charges only to eat a boot to the face. And one minute in, can't be doing with all this wrestling nonsense. We don't do that in WCW. Buff Bagwell's music plays, and he gets his full intro with Pyro, and then gets to the to the, uh, to the apron, and then just stands there. Yep. Then he grabs Luger by the foot, which the ref clearly sees and doesn't disqualify. It's him. better. He stands there, and Man says, "Well, he come out, but he's not interfering." And when he trips him, Man goes. Well, I guess he did interfere. <laughs> Again, trips him right in front of the ref. The ref doesn't call for the bell. No this disqualification. Time. Luger turns around. Shane Douglas punches him in the bollocks. Full view of the referee. Carl, what happens? No disqualification. No disqualification. Don't you do these relaxed rules? Relaxed rules. Bagwell then kind of stalks Liz on the outside while Douglas takes Luger to a person in the crowd who's dressed as Sting. Uh, this this Stingman is going to attack uh, Luger with a bat, but doesn't. He no, turns no, no, no. and hits Shane. Yeah, but what confuses me ever so slightly about this is if you can cast your mind back, if it hasn't been fried by this stage in the proceedings, they've already made the deal. 
if Russo interferes, mm-hmm. or or even appears, I think was the phrase. Yeah, appears before the they, belt. They lose the tag belts. Yes. So why is Shane Douglas, who clearly believes that the person in the sting mask is, is Russo. Russo, is high-fiving him and not pissed because he just cost him the tag belts? Well, that that, that this comes is explained later. Yes. Well, kind of. <laughs> it's not explained <laughs> later. Honestly. It's reiterated that Shane didn't know the rules that he agreed to. <laughs> He absolutely had no idea what the fuck was going on. In and I don't blame him. In the context of... Oh my god, this no, is No, we don't know. To set the scene, okay, so the Sting guy hits Douglas with the bat. He, obviously, yeah, he thinks it's Russo. The plan, I guess, is that he thinks that, well, if Russo's dressed as Sting, it can't be proven that it's can't Russo. Prove it, yeah, so I get that. Yeah, and then Sting hits the ring after he hits Douglas with the ball back takes the thing off it's Ric Flair in his second disguise of the night master of espionage mm. kind of the James Bond of WCW anyway so that, that fits you think they picked that nose out of a lineup anyway as, yeah as he gets into the ring disqualification <laughs> this is too far this is too much DQ finish to Shane now of course what happens here is the bell is just about rung when Vince Russo shows his face yes so there you go he's at ringside now he pulls Douglas out of the ring uh, to kind of save him from a further beating from t- uh, team package and then and it's by the way great that they said that after they don't do DQs they're two in a row oh, yeah. let's keep on that by the way Russo's just screaming screw you Flair and this is one of those things where it's like we haven't even been told why Russo and Flair even hate each other in the first place since Russo's come back they just hate each other all of a sudden well, he is a piece of shit on the bottom of Russo's shoe why? we don't know he's old like Terry Funk and all those old guys yeah where's the beef? we don't yeah. know what so this is all about yeah it stands I suppose, out I suppose it's worth remembering especially when there's such esteemed young up and comers in the new blood like Bam Bam Bigelow <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I think it's worth mentioning here. After we were talking about the uh, the Raw 25 show, all those great angles that were kind of, you know, you would you would establish this is the the angle Vince and uh, Vince and Steve after WrestleMania 14 that sets in motion everything that comes. You have that moment that explains this is why they disagree, and then mm-hmm. what's going to come from it. We've never had that with uh, Russo no. and Flair. We never do get it. However, to add some confusion to this uh, case, Shane Douglas and Buff Bagwell are shouting at Russo, saying. Where the hell were you? To which, as I said, Russo <laughs> explains the rules which Shane Douglas himself agreed to while Buff stood next to him. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the important thing is, where were you? Going along with this notion of, of time again, you know, sort of linear time, we've had about seven days, eight days of the new blood now. So it's time to start teasing some dissension. Yeah. Because seven days in Russo world... <laughs> To the rest of us. He's well. been thinking about this non-stop. It's like a month has passed in yeah, his head. He knows the story. So, um, yeah, and, <laughs> uh, and so as Buff and Shane complain about Vince Russo not costing the tag titles, and and Russo explains, <laughs> yeah, Russo's saying, "I'm gonna cost you the tag belts." Yeah, as, as Russo explains the storyline, we've been and the steps, as it were. Um, yes, the comms again put over. Oh, there's heat here. Yeah, they say that, don't they? Yep. There's heat there. Yep. Thanks for that. Why is it warm? (laughs) (laughs) Is that what popped a lot of the balloons? There's heat there. (sighs) Didn't take long for there to be heat there. And I'm not even sure why, since, again, can someone explain to me what the disagreement here is with these three fucking idiots? And the important thing is that, uh, you know, 
Nubler are keeping up their uh, stellar record on this evening. <laughs> yeah, they are. Another shining moment for the new stars. Before we go to break, Hulk Hogan's rampaging still and bumps to Terry Taylor, who says, I'm late. It's like fucking an hour and a half into the show. It was a three-hour show, too. Yeah. <laughs> and Terry Taylor tells him exactly where Kidman is, even though he's only just got it. Well, he walked past him in the car park. On the car park, so there you go. One. Terry Taylor's a human rooster, so he must be confused as fuck to be about that time. <laughs> <laughs> Back from break, and Hogan is beating up Kidman. We didn't even see when no, he first found in him. In motion. In motion. This, in progress. This is great, because, yeah, I thought this. When, before the advert breaks, Hogan's prowling. Prowling. <laughs> he's, he's prowling. Just in black, he's definitely prowling. He's prowling, he finds the Hummer, and he goes to advert straight away. So, we know he's found the Hummer, goes to the adverts, what's going to happen? You come back, they're fighting. It's brilliant, because, like, you know, that awkward moment when Hogan had to kind of uh, hobble over to the Hummer and like engage with these other, mm. with, with, with Billy that kind of that could good look clunky so let's cut that out and go straight to Hogan beating him up to the good stuff yeah <laughs> straight to the good stuff um, Tony's microphone sounds like he's underwater at this point while it's calling the action I don't know what's going on with that Tory then hits oh. the wood with a piece of wood um, and they refer to Hogan as Terry Bolea if you will <laughs> several times throughout the course of this D- angle D- Dusty must have passed word he did he did um <laughs> the sauce Stone Cold Hulk Hogan what does he do he's, he's going to punch Tori he's going yes. to slug the woman like a true baby face he's not going to just punch in the face he's going to drive her face he's fist <laughs> through he's her. the brick wall yeah he's going to he's going to kill this woman he is or he's going to it's Bernard on Westworld <laughs> he's yeah Awesome. As, as Eric Bischoff watches on. <laughs> yeah, just calmly watches on. Punch that bitch in the face, bro. Um, Kidman makes the save, but Hogan no-sells him to and just kicks his ass around his dingy garage. And Com- just throws him into the dumpster like yeah. a child. Yeah, comes at this point as well. Reiterate again. We don't wrestle in WCW. We fight as he, Hogan dumps him into the bin. <laughs> and Tony Schiavone says, there has never been a Hulk Hogan like this. <laughs> which is like every fucking time they say that now. It's amazing. <laughs> Just throws in like a piece of shit to this dumpster. No match for the wood. Um, Hogan spots Eric Bischoff hanging out by the Hummer, just observing all of this. <laughs> which, which the brilliant, brilliant narrator... Uh, and narrator the brilliant storyteller Vince Russo foreshadowed earlier in the show obviously was showing Bischoff casually leaning against the side of the Hummer mm. brilliant yes brilliant like they couldn't tell that the plan was to lure Hogan there to hit him with the, with the truck but bearing in mind they'd only done it you know the previous night for mm. so the greatness here is that Eric Bischoff gets in the Hummer to drive away and it doesn't start but yeah that's Bischoff so Bischoff's been there for about 10 minutes watching Billy Kidman get annihilated get Tory Wilson nearly get murdered and this, we can only assume he's been standing there casually leaning against the Hummer the whole time. <laughs> Knocking one out. When they're all, yeah. <laughs> well, they're not just standing there. Um, uh, it's only when Hogan has annihilated everyone and turns around and looks at Eric, Eric decides, oh, shit. Uh-oh. There's only me left. So he h- hightails it into the Hummer. Which doesn't start. Unfortunately, uh, yeah, this isn't a very reliable Hummer. And it doesn't start. <laughs> Well, it doesn't start for Eric anyway. Yeah, it's not for Eric. So he gets out and runs <laughs> out of the garage. Somewhere Goldberg was taking notes. Because that was fucking a splendid callback to the, the Goldberg rock bullshit. It was actually a fuck up. And they actually booked it to happen on Nitro. So Hogan, of course, gets in the Hummer, which seamlessly works. Starts first time. First time. And of course, he drives the Hummer into the dumpster, which contains Billy Kidman. Presumably killing him. Yeah. Tony Schiavone. 
Billy Kimmons in the dumpster! <laughs> There's a Hulk Hogan crushing careers line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mark Mann says he could be dead. <laughs> These damn hummers. We don't wrestle anymore. This is beyond wrestling. We don't wrestle. We drive hummers. Yeah, yeah. As long as you teach something to drive like that, hey, Carl. <laughs> anyway. That's true. <laughs> we go to commercial break. Do you think he gave Nick tips on what it's like inside? Yeah. <laughs> he drives off after Bischoff as well. He drives off after Bischoff. That's the key here. He's still after Eric. And now he has the advantage of a truck versus a man on foot. <laughs> yeah, but Bischoff's got those deadly feet. Yeah, that's true. That's true, he is the second toughest man in WCW. Yeah. But only because Russo's got the ball back. Well, yeah. Unarmed, I'm not sure who'd win the fight. They should put that on pay-per-view, that'd be something special. And then we come back from commercial break and, and Kibben is being put on a stretcher and carted off, at which point Tony Schiavone with a fantastic soliloquy, and I hope you've written it down. What? Shivani, as they're putting Kibben on the stretcher, Shivani goes off on one. Is this when he says about Hogan's spent his... Time cushion careers. Oh, no, no, he, no. He just, I've written it down at this point. Oh, okay. Uh, I've got nothing else written down. Oh, uh, okay. So, Shivani, in his trying to, you know, this has gone too far. Is you know, last week, Hogan was on the stretch and they sprinted him with a new blood tag. Is turnabout fair play? When is enough enough? When will it end? <laughs> <laughs> Not long, now. Yeah, 11 months, Tony. <laughs> 11 months to go. But, I was also, I missed that line. Distracted when I come back and they show Billy getting stretched out in the bin. Yeah. Um, crowd laughs. What I won't care. Bearing in mind that the front of the thing had been caved in and pretty much you could see it ripped off the at the corners. Why did they have to lift him out of the bin? Could they just up and, up and get him out? Yeah. Or is that just not dramatic enough? No. Nah. Jeff Jarrett's out for the main event. Cowboy hit, no time to grieve. <laughs> there, <laughs> there is the best wrestler in the world today, says Mark Madden. And the mystery opponent, the show long build, is sadly not Jim Ross. Um, instead, it's Scott Steiner, the United States champion, fellow top line heel, fellow New Blood member. Why is this happening? No idea. This was the thing I thought. This is going to be some real bullshit. <laughs> some swerve. Where they say swerve. Mm -hmm. And they rub home the word swerve. It's just Scott Steiner. Yeah. And they just start having... They <laughs> actually wrestle each other. I couldn't believe it. I'm sure as soon as they started wrestling... Why is this happening? It starts like a match. Dot, 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 I wrote. <laughs> it's a match. <laughs> Press slam by Scott Steiner, who runs into a boot to the face by Jarrett, a high cross by Double J, a belly to belly for two from Scott Steiner as they're wrestling for the world title. I was, this, I was so befuddled. I was like, I made notes. The graphic was shown as a world title match. This yeah. is a world title match. It's actually happening. What's what's, what's going on here then? Okay. I can't compute this wrestling bout taking oh, place. Oh, oh. At, at this point, after the graphic for the world title match is shown, hey folks. We're staying after the hour to see what happens. Remember that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Love it. Oh, man. It's still a normal match, I wrote. Yeah, it's still a normal match. Of course, as in line with the other normal matches, low blows dished out from both men yeah. right in front of the referee, back and forth, at which point I wrote down, I'll bet you this ends in a DQ any minute. <laughs> Not knowing what was coming. 
Scott Steiner then gets Jeff Jarrett in the recliner. A total change seems imminent when, yes, Booker T's suit jacket, followed five minutes later by Booker T, hits the ring, delivers a kick to Scott Steiner to break up the hold, and the referee rings the bell for the third straight fucking disqualification finish on the show that has no disqualifications because of fucking course. And the fans then boo Booker T and chant Booker sucks, the baby face. Does, oh. he, does he tell Jarrett you're welcome? Yeah. yeah, Punk. yeah. Punk. We immediately cut away. That's it. That's your lot. What were your thoughts on Jarrett versus Steiner here? Nothing else happened afterwards again. No time to actually digest well, anything. Well, no, you can't digest it and you're sort of left to wonder, is this part of the continuing new dissension within the new blood? Russo and Bischoff not control Scott Steiner? Is he just untamable? Because he seemed fairly tame during that opening segment. He did. Um, who knows? All these questions will be answered. Well, not this week on Thunder, because Thunder was actually not on the air this week, and they didn't bother telling anybody that. <laughs> so, they weren't tuning in. We'll find out next week on Nitro, I guess. Yeah. Why? Heel, heel. Why dissension? The whole, the whole thing, the whole set the fake drama, the fake... Show long! Yeah. It's literally got nothing to do with anything. It's just... Bullshit. Something to do. It's got suspense, bro. Like, got some teases, bro. Got some mystery, bro. And this is like, what the fuck is for a, for a throwaway? For a throw, exactly, yeah. To progress the story of Booker T and whose side is he on? Yeah, I guess. All this for that? Yeah. Which was oh. which was then forgotten about immediately because we're back with Hulk Hogan Rowling. chasing Bischoff. I don't know why he got out of the car, but he's now out of the car, out of the Hummer with a pipe. Uh, and chases him all the way to the ring. He obviously saw the pipe. He pulled over to get the pipe. Mm. Maybe maybe the Hummer wouldn't start. That's it. Broke down. Pulled over to pick up the pipe. Turned off the Hummer, made a mistake, and yeah. couldn't start it again after. That makes sense. And then uh, just, you know, foot race. Yeah. But if he's half a step slow, and he's gaining on Bischoff, mm. what does that make Bischoff? Well, no, he caught Bischoff in the Hummer, and the reason Bischoff got away was because he's half a step slower than he used to be. But then he's gaining on him now. Yeah, but he's only lost half a step. He's still three steps faster than everyone else. <laughs> but well, two and a half steps faster than everyone else now. But if if he's losing, if he's lost half a step as just an individual, surely carrying the weight of the pipe then makes him maybe a third of a step even slower. Then did you say he left, lost half a step in both feet or just the one foot? I'm not sure. He didn't. He didn't clarify that. Mm, okay. Who knows? Maybe the uh, the added weight of the pipe kind of helped him pick up that. Might have been downhill. Step. Might have been downhill. No, th- th- this, this is a good thing to clear about this half step Hogan. <laughs> If if a Hulk Hogan leaves the train station at three fifteen, <laughs> <laughs> does he draw any money? No, no, he doesn't draw any money at any point in two thousand. It's fucking terrible. So anyway, Bischoff finally gets to the ring. Hogan, it's the climactic right. scene. Show long. Hogan finally gets the Bischoff. He's begging for mercy in the corner, and Hulk Hogan. The big hero <laughs> picks him up and kicks her in the bollocks. <laughs> the least courageous thing he can do against the quivering, cowering man. He kicked him in the bollocks. Well, obviously that's comeuppance because he's banging Kim now. Oh, I guess. And I guess it's Hogan against the one who's the one who gets to kick him in the bollocks. Um, <laughs> that was hilarious. All this shit. He's got a pipe in his hands. And then he kicks him in the ball. <laughs> Cheap shot, we Hogan. Saw Bischoff, dirty bastard. We last saw Bischoff running away from the arena, out of the car park, at the parking lot. He was running to the ring. No, he wasn't. He was running out of the building, mm. which is the opposite direction that Hogan came went. in. Yeah, That's to get right. to them. 
who was in the building. So I guess he's just done a big loop <laughs> and ended up in the other side. Of the- oh, oh shit! I'm back here. <laughs> Hogan actually found it a lot easier actually when someone was guiding him to the ring this time. I noticed. So there was no. Um, however, just you know, again, the farewell credits cover the screen as uh, as Bischoff is holding his nuts. When who comes out but Vince fucking Russo to fuck shit up and handle the former five-time WWF champion with ease. When all of a sudden, who's that running down over there? It's Bret Hart, for some reason, armed with a chair, looking at Hogan, who's grabbing Eric. Who will Bret Hart hit? Such drama, such suspense. Why the fuck is this happening? I don't know. There's no time to think. And then the show just goes off the air. Hogan has Bischoff held in the corner. Bret pulls back the chair. He's gonna swing. He's gonna swing. But it cuts to black. Cuts the black. Even though they said they were going to stay with the show to the end yeah. to see what happens. And so ultimately, the show ends on a swerve. <laughs> <laughs> or a swing. <laughs> on us. All of us. So that, that wraps Ooh, up. tension. <laughs> I can't wait till Nitro next week. <laughs> what happened? Will we ever find out? Is Billy Kidman alive? I can answer that one, folks, because I forgot to switch off the network as I finished watching this show. Kidman turns up next week with his ribs taped. <laughs> so who did Brett hit? I didn't watch it that far. Yeah, actually, I, know, I know that he drills Hogan, but yeah, you know, again, no reason, no idea why. I tuned in tonight for uh, into Thunder to see to find out. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so you quit there. Yeah, the dumb fucks didn't even cut away at the right time. No, because as as you can as see, Brett's cocking the chair back. You see him look to Hogan and then motion. To- yeah. So you know where it's going anyway, but they just didn't give you the dignity as a viewer showing it. I think they you. could at exactly the point they wanted you to. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we got to see him because, play out Hogan. Yeah, because if it was just, if it was obvious, if it was, if he was just going to, sw- if he was just swinging for flat for, for Bischoff, there's no suspense there. Mm. But in the viewer's mind, did I just see Brett look at Hogan? Did was Brett changing his swing mid swing? I'm going to tune in next week to find out. And just think. Think about what a payoff it will be when we can book towards Brett versus Hogan at. Wait, hold on. There's something <laughs> wrong with that. Oh, that's right. Brett's not cleared to wrestle and will never wrestle again. Normally, well, not normally, say in, uh, you know, yes, normally, a guy would re- return, do something maybe surprising, and then, you know, next week we'll get the explanation. Start with the promo, perhaps? brilliant but in WCW you don't even know what he did for him to talk about it that's suspense that's mystery <laughs> so I do have the, uh, the the stats here total wrestling tally 18 minutes 32 seconds on this show a bit more than I expected I'll be honest considering I watched this it felt like none of the matches went longer than mm. like 2 minutes so what, what was that what a- 18 minutes 32 seconds 18 minutes 32 okay let's 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 should we do a bit of bit of maths here? Alright. If my phone doesn't die on Five me. matches, three of which ended in a DQ, after we were told there will be no DQs in the new WWE. Did story. they say they didn't say no DQs though? Right, relaxed, relaxed rules. rules. What does that because mean? no one tuned in to see a DQ. Yeah. Followed by three. You know what it is? I truly sealing their fate for the night. Because since you know, five low blows per guy every match, it's like the only these guys are so tough, but so and so manly. The only way you can hurt them is by hitting them in their massive, massive gonads. <laughs> Three disqualifications, a pair of nooks, 
Views on Mr. Perfect and mystery tables falling on the wall. And those are your finishes for the for this evening on WCW Nitro. Yeah, so five matches which average out to just over three and a half minutes each. And as a percentage of the show, it just cracks about 24%. That's pretty fucking hyper, Bruce. <laughs> it is. So, do you have any other uh, tidbit notes for us, Kieran, from the uh, from your musings and study? Uh, no, just cut, I ended on cut to black, just like they did. So you didn't actually keep track of like, how many segments we saw on this? No, no. As I said, I was going to analyse all the individual segments for individual guys and the, the patterns and you know his narrative techniques. Wow. I was actually going to do this properly, um, as like you would bring down scenes, but um, I left my uh, notebook at home. So swerve on you, <laughs> swerve on me. But the the great narrative technique being not just the rapid cuts to different stories throughout the show. We're doing quick cuts now to the same story. So you've got the millionaires, not the millionaires, but the new blood in the ring doing their promo. Cut away to a new angle. No, to DDP involved in the same angle. It's very dynamic. It's oh, it's it's something. It's something. Choice. <laughs> Choice television. So, this did a two point five rating, down from the previous week's three point one. It did hours of two point nine for the first hour, two point one for the second hour. So that doesn't sound like a, a positive pattern to me. It's almost like people didn't care about the uh, the suspense that was uh, percolated. Or the tease of a Jeff Jarrett world title defence. <laughs> Not the greatest night of everyone's uh, lives at home, unfortunately. We can only assume that when they said, is it someone from another promotion maybe going to be fighting Jarrett, that everyone turned over to watch the WF to see who wasn't on that show so they could then turn back, hypothetically, and watch this stellar, stellar world title match. Yeah. So that was, that wraps up the April 17th, 2000 episode of Nitro, a show that failed, I think, on pretty much every front. I think that no one came out of this looking better. I no story no match I didn't want to see a single match following um, this show I would say Sting at least left the show with his dignity intact <laughs> which is more than anyone else can say <laughs> how many times have Flair dressed up just the twice just the twice mm. yeah he did once kiss a mannequin on TV yeah he'd had worse evenings Ric Flair yeah. we've been watching most of them right now actually on the July 99 timeline and he'd go on to have worse evenings than this one within the company yeah he would Daniel Watkins says I watched this at the weekend in preparation for the episode damn you guys SCG I love that WCW continue to book shows in arenas so large it takes Hulk Hogan sorry Terry Bollea an hour's walk to find anyone (laughs) that's the curious thing just just touching upon that because I knowing how much on the slide WCW was at this point I decided to just to look up the arena they were in I I forget the name of it now in in Rockford, Illinois it can hold about 11,000 there were not 11,000 people in that crowd you know take away the stage which probably cuts off a quarter and the house lights which are almost completely black on the side where the commentary table sat Jesus Christ how many empty seats were there there were empty seats on the hard camera side you could see oh, empty that's, seats that's, with... that's, that's a true they had empty seats on the hard camera side during Spring Stampede the night before yeah that was because the fans got objective of getting their arse out <laughs> <laughs> that was splendid uh, Daniel also says um, I was indifferent to the fact that the new blood are already imploding one week after getting together and their main enemy seems to be Jim Ross <laughs> I hate that we still don't know what happened in New York 
Uh, Carl Longhorn bummed by Stasiak <laughs> that, that's it. it it was Neat. a it was a new arse for a member of the new blood <laughs> Carl Longhorn says the show opens with what I can only assume is Jobber Inc. security ain't no one getting through those doors 16 minutes and DDP walks through an open door so much bullshit on this show so plenty for you boys to discuss some of my favourite lines though are the losers of the millionaires club are in lockdown <laughs> yeah what about the hundreds of losers in the crowd <laughs> Smoochy Boochie for Stacy Keebler. No words for that one, he says. Five minutes could mean five minutes, could mean one minute, could mean 20 minutes. That's, that was a good line, I like that. That was that was the phone call <laughs> yeah. to Bischoff. I'll be there in five minutes, whatever he said. And uh, was it Madden? was like, what, 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 does, what does five minutes mean? And I, get, I get his point now, it's a snobbishry term. Is it one minute? Is it five minutes? Is he on the way? Is he in the arena? Is he in the toilet? Is he getting ready? Is he in, is he in like, you know, yeah, on the phone, in the car? Yeah. One minute. On foot, because we know he likes to be on foot. This was obviously before Hogan explained the time-space continuum to us, so... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And is this five normal minutes or five Russo minutes? Which is about a week. (laughs) The biggest stare-down ever, Hulk Hogan and the law. I believe that already happened in the Belzer case, (laughs) which is a great reference to the front face lock. (laughs) Great stuff. Tremendous. Some other observations. Hogan looking a complete dumbass asking the kids where Kidman was. At least he was getting his cardio in. Uh, the franchise needing a stipulation he agreed to explain to him. <laughs> Vampiro talking complete shit for days and then taking an age to realise that Sting was in the ring despite looking at him two or three times. And twirling. Don't forget the twirling. It was dark. Yeah. It was dark. There was effects. He had come from the scene, which is very disorientating anyway. Well, they out the fucking ring. There was also the, the stingy part. Maybe he thought it was Russo in the mask as well. Ah, uh, well, that was that was actually yeah, yeah. I can... and, and Russo is such a tough guy. He probably he would have the balls to do that. Yeah, yeah. To come there. Well, no. It, I think the confusion was this is probably Vince Russo, but Vince Russo is so tough he wouldn't use the. Uh, he, the he wouldn't use the abseil. He just jump. <laughs> Vince Russo wouldn't blow out a knee. A knee would blow out Vince Russo. <laughs> and oh yeah, says Carl. Uh, Madden, you missed off a possible addition to Chronic's name. Chronic diarrhea. Horrible show, but only fair us listeners join in your pain of watching this garbage. And uh, Steve Rich, Air Raid on the UK fan forum, uh, chimes in here and says, Overall, the show is dialed down from the previous week, but still has too many pops at or references to the WWF, which makes them look small time and t- uses too many insider turns. Using the terms turn, the sheets, gimmick, push. References on comms to things like South Park with Rochambeau being used for a low blow and Kevin Smith films with the Snoochie Boochies reference. Uh, they were topical but come across as trying way too hard to make the show seem cooler than it is. <laughs> and if you thought Ric Flair was a big enough deal to get a match or some promo time, it sucks to be you. <laughs> <laughs> the opening segment achieves what it sets out to do. The heels having a good old boast. Kim is the star here. It's hilarious that they act like anyone should be paying attention to Tammy in comparison. Kim gives a coherent, well-reasoned promo with a justification for the heel turn. Shame it went nowhere. On the whole, nothing unforgivable from the new blood here. Uh, And I liked the swerve with the Millionaire's Club as the Riot Squad. Say what you want about the execution or the direction. Uh, Watching this cold, you know what the direction is, even if it falls away in weeks to come. 
There's a little discrepancy here. Jarrett throwing DDP a bone in offering him a cage match then putting up the open contract is really odd behaviour for a chicken shit heel and the wheels start falling off in a hurry. Bischoff getting grief from Booker and the rest of the B team just seven days into this angle is incredibly rushed and a stunning metaphor for WCW at its worst. This week's unexplained mystery. Why can we hear what Hogan's saying through the earpiece of Bischoff's phone? Why would he have that set up? Network timestamp, 23 minutes in we get our first match, Sean Stasiak, a guy who failed in the WWF with the Mr. Perfect ripoff music versus actual Mr. Perfect, except we can't call him that. Loser versus has been is not a great start for the new era of WCW. Ref bumping the first fucking match, three counts, immediately cut to Hogan arriving before Stasiak winning can resonate. Kidman comes across as such a pitiful nerd in this segment and so the hunt for Billy Kidman begins. The second match of a New Blood era Nitro features Terry fucking Funk and another instant cutaway after the decision. Sense a pattern? No major issues with chronic beatdown of the Mamelukes or the Sting Vampiro segment except my personal outrage that WWE has access to the Sting Crow theme yet wheeled him out for his appearances to that garbage take a big show dirge. The uh, horrible music that you uh, got to have in WWF. Didn't mind the continuation of awesome Nash hostilities, but like a lot of things, I'm thinking, but did this go anywhere? The Tank Abbott segment involving someone out the crowd from a different sport, one of my least favourite tropes in American wrestling, did nothing for me. Another immediate cutaway and Hogan is still looking for Kidman. Fuck me, I got home by now. <laughs> for all the remarks over the years about Wrestler A not being paid by the hour, clearly at this point Hulk Hogan is. The advert for NitroGirls.com was very soft porn. And hey, Sky looks real similar to that bird we saw earlier on. The announcers told me it was called Miss Hancock. Douglas vs. Flair and Luger vs. Bagwell set up for slamboree is logical, though it's again off that Douglas, the heel, makes the demands to get Luger in the ring. I don't mind Flair in disguise a second time to outsmart the enemy during the Luger-Douglas match. If the New Blood are going to be winning the big matches and the titles through nefarious means and have the boss making calls in their favour, then at least the heroes getting little wins like this is rewarding, and at least we're not putting it with the good guys face down and spray painted every week. Bischoff feel, says that he feels like the New Blood are falling apart, which one night after they won all the big belts is complete bollocks and another stunning metaphor for WCW at its worst. Hogan finds Kibben at last. Hudson says, we don't wrestle anymore in WCW, another hilarious tagline. Hogan beats Kibben like the worthless punk he is, and we head to the ring for the unnecessarily rushed first New Blood New Blood match between Jarrett and Steiner. I won't lie, my favourite part of the match is Medeja's jorts. Uh, the finish is a confusing mess, as you'll no doubt cover. I understand Booker trying to reintegrate himself, or re-ingratiate himself, to Russo, but who are we supposed to cheer? The direction that was so clear at show open has now become muddied, for no good reason. But at least we didn't dwell too long on it, because it's instantly... That's right. Overall, not the worst TV of the era, but lots of the same nagging problems which they never put to bed. I like that three matches got set up for Slamboree, and they have clear direction for Sting Vampiro, Nash Awesome, and I suppose, Steiner Booker, going forward. But they try too hard to keep up the pace and nothing resonates. But while trying to do too much, they also give up too much time uh, to Hogan and Kidman for long stretches, and nothing is happening. There's a lack of focus, and I can see why watching every week would become a chore. I found that you're watching one week. I thought this was. It always takes like twice the amount of time to watch these shows. Yeah, I am dreading the point in the actual Monday Night War timeline when we get to these. Oh, we're not going to be covering these shows like minute by minute in the same way that we're doing these reviews. Don't worry. No, but it's still that sense. You that still I, have to watch. I need to watch. <laughs> I was going to say, it's not my concern for the way in which we portray on the podcast. It's my actual viewing time. Your life that which, I'm going to take away from you, which I'm getting choked up about. Just now thinking about it. It's, yeah, watching these shows 
to do these the, the reviews you know when, when we're going real segment by segment the real intricacies of, 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 his, of his work of his masterpieces you know to give it the credit they deserve um, fuck me it takes a long time to watch a show that's what uh, about 50% 50% no about twice as long you're stuck because it's physically impossible to, to listen and take everything in and watch and write at the same time it's you just can't do it you have to pause yeah. write if I watch this in one sitting Actually, that might be the thing to do next. Is it's on one of the timeline ones? Just watch one of these in one sitting, write nothing down, and just see what I can remember at the end. It would be nothing. <laughs> I wouldn't remember a thing on this show. I might, I might remember. I remember. The, I remember Shane. I remember Shane Douglas's promo. Yeah, I remember Shane Douglas saying "jackass." <laughs> that was great. And that's about it. Uh, I'd remember Hogan. Hogan walking a lot. Hogan. Hogan yeah. still the star Hogan, of the show. Hogan and the Hummer. Yeah. Too old for the business. Still the top star on the show. Still all about Hogan. I'd just be, yeah, thoroughly, thoroughly confused. Craig Atkinson uh, says, Thank you, guys. Thank you for allowing me the honour, no, the privilege of watching this masterpiece of professional wrestling programming. Vince Russo is truly a genius. Or maybe on planet Earth, I say fuck all of you pieces of Bischoff for playing this vile trick on your loyal listeners. Two pages of notes I made on this shit. Two. You made two notes for pages what? on this thing? Yeah, what, what, what were you, you watching? What were you doing for the other an hour and 98 <laughs> minutes? Uh, you know what they say, I'll summarise. WCW is minor league of bullshit that cannot allow a match to go without interference. The only decent, not great, not good, not average, just merely decent things that I took from this show were the following. Number one, Scott Steiner is so much more major league than Jeff Jarrett. Correct. Number two, Booker T is a great wrestler and he didn't even wrestle. Uh, number three, Shane Douglas got a half-decent promo that recalled something that actually happened on Thunder. You guys led, led me to believe that nothing actually happens on Thunder. Thunder? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the next one, Terry Funk is crazy. That moonsault to the floor. Fucking hell, yeah. Jesus, yeah. Uh, number four, uh, the, the Turnatron is now called Nitrovision. <laughs> I prefer this name, to be honest, he says. Uh, Which has cataracts. Yeah. Miss Hancock is fit is another... Um, observation here and then chronic look like badasses with that squash literally everything else was crap from bashing JR constant WWF references Hogan being a very cheap Austin knockoff in 1980s heavy metal gear being unable to see because WCB wasted millions on balloons new blood getting destroyed every single segment I could go on but I'm not sure because you'll rip this shit apart no I have to vent we open with the doors being locked and chained then DDP and Hogan just walk in what the fuck who attacked the wall? Do we ever get an answer? Why is the perfect one taking on the ex-Mr. Perfect on Nitro? Surely this amazing storyline needs to be built into a major pay-per-view blow-off. Who taught Russo to do a promo as he sounds like he has no clue how to talk? In closing, fuck you very much for inviting me to sit through this shit. Get Russo on the podcast so he can spend his time apologising for every crappy segment on every crappy show he was ever involved in. Boys, it's been emotional, or that could just be a banging headache from Madden's commentary. Harsh take on Mark Madden here. He's hardly the biggest problem on the show, I feel. Um, well, not, not in the sort of the booking sense, but more in the physical sense. Well, come on now, Carl. We can't be fat shaming. This is 2018. Um, <laughs> I, I see that this podcast has outgrown me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're going to insult everyone still. Don't worry. Rick Skelton says, I liked the reset Nitro and Spring Stampede for the ADHD car crashes they are as a way to get from the uh, away from the dreadful few months of Sullivan TV to the New Blood era. It was like three months of telly on fast forward in five hours. Had they, had they the ability to take that forward, then it could 
sort of sat isolated as the one-off, or two-off, that it should have been. Ten minutes into this show, and I was done. The focus is on the wrong people. The focus of those people is on the WWF. The matches are incidental. There are daft stunts for the sake of it. Everything is a rant. We all know that Russo has never understood how his TV was successful in the WWF, and this show, on top of the previous two, is the ultimate evidence. It wasn't just because Vince McMahon was filtering the terrible ideas. They were there for all to see. It was because the terrible ideas were reserved for people who didn't matter, and the genuine stars were above it all. Here, the genuine stars are either being belittled, or they are working feuds like Hogan and Kidman that no one could possibly benefit from. And the stunts that worked in the WWF because Austin could get away with anything just look stupid here. And add to that the fact that the WWF had already moved away from the car crash TV and was presenting a brilliant, well-rounded show. In most part because they picked up five outstanding workers from WCW in the last ten months. So uh, yeah, that sums it up here. And I think actually it kind of uh, touches on why I wanted to do this uh, this episode of Nitro because obviously kind of uh, the one two three punch of that first Russo Bischoff show followed by Spring Stampede followed by this and you really get a sense for what uh, Russo has lined up and how, really how how much real planning there is here. Yeah, real nice deep whiff. <laughs> it's funny you made a great point Kieran before the show started about how this is Vince Russo in his element yeah. he's starting his story here yeah when he does his he's, one of my pet peeves with Russo is when he does his fancy book of things he doesn't actually book anything he talks around and usually gets to like the first he does the first match he doesn't actually book any matches or, or an actual feud because obviously he doesn't because he doesn't book matches at all no. um, so this is but this is so week two so this is really, this is his baby. So he's got no excuses. All the intricacies of these little cutaways. Mm-hmm. There's so many little, like five second shots at times. Well, it's not a problem. Maybe 10, 10 15 second mm. shots. Okay. Some of them are five. Though, yeah, yeah, actually, probably they are. Um, but it's like he, every single one of these has to be there for his story. This, this is his Russo logic. This is how you tell a story. So, so fascinating. Like. You, Almost with a blank slate now. He's two weeks, he's the second week in, and it's already starting to fall apart. Yeah. Because he's got no fucking clue. <laughs> you're so fucking useless. <laughs> I hope you're, I bet you fucking, li- I bet you Google your own name so you found these review shows, Vince, and I bet you're listening to this right fucking now. You are a jerk. <laughs> Carl, your closing thoughts on April 17th, 2000 Nitro. What a night um, for us all. I'm not sure if I'm capable of thoughts at this point. This is this is the problem with watching these Russo shows for the review. You, you need recovery time, and I don't think I've had that yet. I, I need time to sort of compartmentalise things and just sort of you know, almost decompress. You know, probably the same sort of thing that Luger could do. With yeah. Yeah. It's just. Do you reckon he was sad all those balloons that fell from the ceiling? By the way, at the start of the show, old Lex. You sad about the balloons? Yeah. Gently weeping, thinking about times gone by. Oh, yeah. I think he's going to run out and celebrate. Yeah, he fucking great. He, what a great. he probably thought there should have been one in his match. <laughs> the, a DQ finish is as good as a count out any day of the week. <laughs> What's actually great is, we didn't mention, but throughout the rest of the show, you get like one rogue balloon that would just fall down into the camera shot. It would have been so great if one fell down next to Luger. I'd have marked out. That would have been fucking brilliant. It's just, it's, it's all. It's the typical Russo greatest hits, isn't it? Yeah. I use that term loosely. <laughs> it's, it's, it swerves. It's, it's turns. In, it's inside in, references. Inside references from vehicular from homicide. Res- from wrestlers, from personalities, from commentators, to littered with stunts. He has to have been molested by a truck when he was young. <laughs> 
to the nonsensical portrayal of what is a babyface and what is a heel or in Vince Russo's world no one is really a babyface or a heel you can imagine that's the sort of bullshit he come out with isn't it it's a sort of hokey nonsense this is all shades of grey there's no black and white in my world it's just <laughs> you know and you've got your typical sort of edits as well with your quick cuts which, which we touched upon it's all just a mess and the things that they attempt to put focus on are either terrible ideas in the first place or don't go anywhere outside of the confines of that one show yeah again I, I mean, no new uh, uh, even they did set up a couple of matches slambery but, but I can't done, be interested in any it's done in such a, a sort of a a half-arsed way you know and, and it's this notion why why is, is this portrayed in a way of Russo gives the heels what they want against the baby faces. You know, surely not, it should be Luger and Flair have been screwed out the tag belts. The baby faces should be demanding this match. DDP should be demanding a match with Jared. I want you he, in the cage. Yeah, because I got screwed. And my wife, you know, that little detail, yeah. Yeah, and the heat shifts from Jarrett to Bischoff for Page. You've got. It's not about the belt anymore. DDP even says it's not about the belt. You've yeah. got. You've got Mike. Bischoff, but then Bischoff gets his balls kicked by Hogan. Yeah. yeah. You've got Mike Awesome ready to stand and go toe to toe with Nash, who sneaks up from behind. That's hilarious. Three on one babyface attack. It's just. It's it's just your typical nonsensical Russo booking. It's just a bunch of shit out <laughs> It's just a bunch of shit thrown at a wall. It's this guy in the same way that Billy Kidman was thrown at the wall. It's been a bunch of yeah cliches from the past two years. Yeah. Um, oh, Self-contained false drama. Yeah. Oh, it's just, it's and if it's two point five. Yeah, and if it's not insider references and references to the company up north. It's references to the internal politics within WCW, which none of the fans well, are aware of. There we go again, JJ Dillon. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to use that on you at some point in the future on this podcast for no reason. I'm just trying to do a podcast as homage to uh, a, night, a Russo Nitro. Yeah. Like, just these quick cuts away to our topics. We won't even tell you what the fucking topic of the show is. Yeah, tune in. You've folks. got to guess. Yeah. <laughs> We'll tease it throughout and then just I'm about to tell you at the end we'll just fucking play the music and end it. I don't see how that's any different from having G on the show. <laughs> With that said, I want to thank everybody for listening. This has been a lot of fun as it always is going over a, a Vince Russo produced piece of wrestling television. Fun's an interesting word to use. Hey, it's, it's fun for me getting to, to kind of... Uh, you know, get it all out here on the, on the, on the uh, around the oaken table. Vent. Vent is definitely the word. So, with that said, I want to thank everybody for listening, and uh, <laughs> and thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed it too. Of course, as I said, we will be back in a couple of weeks uh, to cover July of 1999 in the Monday Night War timeline, covering every Raw Nitro and backstage tidbit of information from the time from the uh, Observer and Torch newsletters of the era, and uh, that's going to be a lot of fun revisiting the timeline. So, join us then for Carl Jones. Yeah, I've got a bone to pick with Jim Ross. <laughs> and for Q&O Rock. You can kiss my ass too, Jim Ross. <laughs> I am Leo Rock and we are out of here. Talk to you in a couple of weeks. <laughs>